Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, but we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. It's comics. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. You thought it would never happen. And, and yet, just when here you we thought are. it was safe <laughs> to go back to, to your go podcast. Back or... into iTunes podcast. <laughs> here we We're are. We're back. With Jaws 3D. Well, Jaws 3D. Hey Kids Comics 3D. Yeah, Hey Kids Comics. That... Would, well, what would Oral be? I mean, oral as in A-U-R-A-L, not oral as in O-R-A-L. Well, yeah, of course. Well, I don't know, because I was, I was more thinking of just as Jaws 3D is unwatchable, <laughs> Hey Kids 3D is, is unlistenable. Is the, no, no, we would be the opposite of unlistenable. Is that what it is? Yeah, people have been clamouring for this, dude. Okay. Uh, yeah, we haven't been around recently, have we? We've not. Because you've been busy. I have. Uh, so like genuinely as gen- well. Genuinely busy. So we haven't been able to uh, to get together to do our annual Christmas show. But we are here to do our annual, these are all the capitalist pig swine stuff we got for Christmas. Because we're just enough of a capitalist to like Christmas. Well, yeah, because truly the greatest gift of all is capitalism. <laughs> it's the gift of giving yeah. and spending a shit ton of money yeah. at this time of year that we call Christmas. Santa Claus did not fight against the Vietnamese. <laughs> the Martians. Did not fight the Vietnamese so that we could not spend our money at Christmas. That's very true. And he didn't fight the Martians for the same reason. Did he fight the Martians? He did indeed fight the Martians. He in a just... film entitled Santa Claus versus the Martians. Is that true? That's true, yeah. Oh, okay. I believe Adam West's in it. Right, okay. That's just a true film from about I 1953 or something like that. personally prefer his lesser known brother, yeah. Santa Pepsi. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as you can tell, we're back for a Hair Kids comic special. Um, it's very special because we haven't done one for at least six months and it probably will be six months where we get to do one again. So for all intents and purposes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's just assume this is a swan song yet again for the series that refuses to actually die. The longest goodbye. It is the longest goodbye. And we're here to do our regular stuff at this time of year, which is read, catch up on a couple of emails from people and go through all of the swag that our lovely family bought us for Christmas, as well as catch up on any stuff that we've been doing comic and movie related since uh, we last got together. Now, obviously, the biggest thing to happen since we last got together is... Oh, I know this one. uh, A popular sequel to a popular science fiction franchise that has divided audiences. Valerian. Yes. I haven't seen Valerian yet. I was was more thinking of that small underground independent film what Blade some, Runner 2049 for some reason had a strangely all star cast <laughs> uh, well there are the three films I haven't seen Valerian yet but I'm very much looking forward to it that was just a ge- that's not no no I, I'm genuinely looking forward to Valerian I like Luke Besson's stuff right okay. I love Leon I like the fifth element until Cabin Dallas shows up and you know 
anyone who comes at me and complains about Jar Jar Binks, I just wave the fifth element in their face. <laughs> because at the very least, Corbin Dallas is a real actor who is every bit, if not more, irritating than Jar Jar Binks. So just as Lucas claimed, Jar Jar is the key. <laughs> there were people behind the scenes of the fifth element going, yeah, this is an important character. I, I hope not. <laughs> but I think he single-handedly killed the fifth element from being the trilogy that Luke Besson wanted it to be. Right. But as I said, I like Leon. I like the fifth element until he shows up. I like, what's the one he did with ScarJo where she taps into the many multitudes of brain power that oh, we all have? The Naff one. Um, no, it's not Lucy. Lucy. It's not Naff. It's a great film. Thoroughly enjoyable Look Best on Mover. Okay. So I was very much looking forward to Valerian, but I have not as yet seen it, even though it's got Carla eyebrows in it and what's his name? Charisma Bypass. The guy from The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2. What's his name? I don't know. I've I've been compared to him several times when I when I do things to my hair. Well, maybe, but you've got personality. Oh, you look like that weird looking guy from Spider-Man <laughs> So you think looking like a weird-looking guy is a compliment, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, anyway, him. He He's in it. Whatever, you know, he may be. Uh, and then, of course, Blade Runner 2049, which is another yes. one on Harrison Ford's... What's it called? Um, thingy or lap? Nostalgia trip. Nostalgia trip. His, his, his victory lap yeah, yeah. around all of the characters that have made him famous. He already returned to the role of Indiana Jones and will be again. Oh, is that... Oh, right, I was going to say, does that count as this little phase? It does count and would count if he wasn't doing it one more time. Right. So the next one will probably count more than the last one. Yeah. Which, of course, was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which at this point is ten years ago. It was 2008, wasn't it, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Was it? So we, as, as the new year ticks over, it, that is now a ten-year-old movie. Right. So he's gonna he's gonna touch upon Indiana Jones one more time. He has returned to the role of Rick Decker for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. See, having seen Blade Runner on Star Wars, hmm. Blade Runner more so than Star Wars, he looks incredibly out of place. Like he's just wandered in in his pajamas. <laughs> he's and wandered he's, into Ryan Gosling's he's film. Got, he's he's incredibly stiff during any serious scenes to the point where the final climax, he's sitting down. He is for literally all of it. sat down. Indiana Jones might be a difficult one to film and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious because he pulled off Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's Again, be honest. Ten years ago, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Harrison Ford was the least of that film's problems, mm-hmm. and arguably the only reason that it works as well as it does is because of Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's still Indiana Jones. He's still giving it his all, and at sixty-seven years of age, sixty-six years of age, he could still just about pull it off. Mm. At seventy-seven years of age. Well, you just said it yourself. He just about pulled it off mm. ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, his punches, Blade Runner, when he was whacking people, he still looked like he could punch people out. And I'm sure Ryan Gosling would agree with you. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Ryan Gosling would agree with that. And he's still got impressive arms for mm. a 75 year old. But I, I don't know that another Indiana Jones should be on the cards for Harrison, as much as I love him. Yeah, sometimes you've just got to accept no more, though. Yeah, and obviously the victory lap included the Force Awakens. Where he died, or rather Han Solo died. Spoilers. So any of the stuff that we discussed today, we will be spoiling. So what? Did, before we get on to Star Wars, what did you think of Blade Runner 2049? Uh, thoroughly 
Well, there's a bit of a funny, funny-ish story behind it. Well, I was going to say, one of the most eagerly awaited films of the year for both of us, because we're huge fans of the original Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, and for me, a lot of it is, 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 apart from where Blade Runner stands in the listings and rankings of movies, now, watching it now, it's it's just a really good film. Yes. Like, there's nothing, it's not the best, it's not the game changer. It, 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 it was. was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Having seen it now, yeah. So I was really looking forward to Blade Runner 2049 because from the start, it looked and conveyed itself as a three-hour-long art film, mm. which is what put a lot of people off. Well, before you carry on, though, let me just say Blade Runner was not a hit. It I wasn't. think that's well known. Blade Runner was Ridley a massive Scott's flop. Ridley just come out and said it was the daunting running time. Yeah, and it was a flop, and it slowly built up a loyal following over the many, many years of mm. video and then TV and DVD and Blu-ray and the fascination with the film's troubled production and the yeah. whole, is he a replicant or isn't he a replicant, the whole ambiguity mm. to the film, all of that have contributed to its law. It was a landmark movie at the time that it was made. It's been ripped off hundreds yeah. of times since. Um, I honestly don't know why Warner Brothers thought this one would be a hit. Yeah. That they poured that much money and that much love incurring into it. And I can was, only assume they're playing the long game. There was so much advertisement before it as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was I was hyped up for it and I wanted I wanted the best because it, it was this going to be this visually amazing spectacle. Mm. Right, we'll go to Manchester to watch it. We'll see it at IMAX. <laughs> Massive screen, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't bother booking tickets. I thought, just, nah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Uh, and out of this kind of rushed panic, I thought, I've got some great seats. Like, we're right at the back, so we'll be able to see all of it. I misread the map. <laughs> and so... So instead of being at the, the back... Cast, the cast of the film had huge thighs, lower bodies, and tiny heads. Tiny heads, yeah. Uh, So I sat there, (laughs) neck crane right back. And like for the first scene with uh, Batista in it, or Drax, Mm. I'm thinking, this is like, no way I'm going to enjoy this three hours long. What have I done? I thought, right, okay, I'll go watch it when I'm back in Stoke on a more... On a smaller screen, but a a more comfortable... Present. But once I'd let go of all this stuff I'd built up around it, like it had to be great, once I just let that go and thought, just watch it again, it'll be fine, I enjoyed it more because I just <laughs> stopped caring. And it's, to me, it was the standout of the year at the time. Because I always go to the cinema and think, oh, this is the best film of the year. And then I see another one, oh, this is the best film of the year. But that was the standout for me. So you get that off me, don't you? We go yeah. to the cinema to have fun. Mm. So that's the only explanation I have for films such as Die Another Day and Superman Returns being adored by me <laughs> upon leaving the cinema and then perhaps watching them later and going, these perhaps aren't as good as I remembered them. Yeah, well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it just as much last night. Maybe a little bit more because mm. there's not a mystery there, but no. there is. But apart from the bit where I was asleep for the first hour because it's Christmas and I'm sleeping on the couch... And again, that's the thing. If like, don't go into it thinking you can just enjoy it. Yeah. It will not wait for you. It will not hold your hand. If if you're not in the mood for it, you're not mm. in the mood for it, and it won't work for you. Yeah, you have to devote the time. And once again, as with Blade Runner, immerse yourself in the world of it's, Los Angeles twenty fourteen. Yeah, it's very similar to a, a more mainstream David Lynch film. Mm. 
Well, Denis Villeneuve did Arrival, which I thought was a great mm. little science fiction film. And again, divided audiences. Yeah. But again, it was something you had to watch and pay attention to. Yeah. And if you hear any noises in the background, it's the cats. You'll just have to live with it. I'm sorry. It's the Christmas as well, is all I'm going to say. Um, but I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I do not think it is as good as the first one. Because right. it doesn't leave you with that, well, is he or isn't he? It quite clearly spells out Ryan Gosling's position. Yeah, I think... And Harrison Ford's position. As you pointed out, him being a replicant doesn't work yeah, for this film. Um, but I have never subscribed to the interpretation yeah, that he is a, a replicant. Jared, Jared Leto's role where he comes on being... He's only in it uh, twice, isn't he? He's only got three, two scenes. Th- he is good in them. Hmm. He is quite good, and I'm not a fan of him like, at all. Hmm. But he comes on and like, were you a human? <laughs> did you love her because you were designed to? But um, and then he he quite clearly says, "No, I know what's real." Yeah. Uh, so I don't but, know that it'll linger in the memory as long as the first one did. It's lovely. It's brilliant yeah. to look at. See, I I like that you know who Ryan Gosling is. Yes, that's that's the part of the film, and it's a miserable film. It's not. Oh, yeah. It's not. Happy, it's not. Uh, he's, he's it's not a laugh riot. And persecuted because of what he was just made to be. Yeah. He clings on to some hope that maybe he's more than what he is. And he isn't. And so he, he goes on, like, he loses his job because he rebels. He, he, he gets hunted down because he rebels and because he runs away and because he's not conforming mm-hmm. and because he's stumbling onto this mystery. And then he finds out that it's a lie and he actually was who he was mm. and that he, he jumped onto a misinterpretation of a dream and his girlfriend, Robot, was Joy. designed to tell him what he wanted and what he wanted to see. Mm. So that that's a nice that's a nice flip on the original Blade Runner. It's subverting the original yeah. Blade yeah. Um Ryan Gosling's fine in it. I'm not as in love with him as he's, you are. Well, it's he's he's played he was in a lot of films before he rose to prominence with like the notebook and drive. Hmm. And he could quite clearly show his range. But for a long time, I've always joked from Drive, from uh, Only God Forgives and mm. films like that, he's got a very artistic-like stare. Mm. And when I found out that he was playing a replicant, that's perfect casting. Yeah. Um, but again, with like other films like La La Land, he can show his calibre in that. But I think playing a replicant in the... Um, what's he called? He, he directed driving that. But anyway, in the Nicholas Winding Refn. Winding Refn, yeah. So with him acting the way he did in those films, that's perfect casting. Hmm. Yeah, so it's it's one of them, you think it's going to be slightly more controversial than it is. And it wasn't. And it, yeah. it, it landed big with the people that like that sort of thing. Yeah. People like me and you and certain movie critics. And then just got quickly forgotten. And landed with a resounding thud with the average yeah. movie goer. Um... It's a beautiful looking film. Denis Villeneuve, obviously, yeah. knows how to frame a shot. It's a beautifully sounding yeah. film as well. The, 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 the sounds. The I, I love being... to say soundtrack. There was, the best there's, there's themes in it are Vangelis's. Yes. Um, but Hans Zimmer, as much as we, we take the We take the piss out of him, his Dark Knight scores, yeah. It's Apart from there being the bits in it, mm. was still a good synth soundtrack. Yeah, it suits the film perfectly. Not just the score, but the 
the background noises. Yeah. Like if you've listened to the Vangelis score, you've got that trap blush response. Yeah. Which is all the noises and the zooms in when he's trying to examine the photos, Rick Deckard. Um, all of that's present and correct. Mm. They've done a good job of extrapolating Blade Runner twi- 50 years into the future. Because it's the 30 years into the future, isn't it? Yeah. Excuse me, 30 years into the future of the technology. But they also established that technology took a step back. During the blackout. Because of a, 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 which, a worldwide blackout. Yeah, which was the focus point of the 20-minute cartoon. Mm. Done by Which the, I haven't seen, by the way. Done by the Cowboy Bebop team. Right, so they're on the Blu-ray, or will be on the Blu-ray. Yeah, so the first one, like they were all about five minutes apart from this one, because with it being the Cowboy Bebop team, it was hyped up as a big deal. Mm. So the first they one... They were free about, to watch on the internet, weren't they? They were, yeah. So the first one is um, Wallace, Jared Leto, yeah. pitching his idea for new replicants mm. in the wake of Tyrell's crashing. Tyrell going bankrupt. And, and so the, the board of, no, 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 you can't do this. He says, well, watch this. He gets a replicant out. He says, get a knife out and stab yourself in the neck. Mm. And the replicant does. And Wallace is like, see, he's he's perfectly safe. Mm. Uh, but there is the seedier undercurrents that he is controlling them all and Wallace is not who he says he is. Does which... Jared Leto do the voice? No, he plays him. All right. They're all live action apart from the cartoon. All right. The second one is... Uh, Batista, Drax, mm. whatever he's called in the film, mm. which is why I was surprised he got very little screen time in the film. Yeah, in the he's in a, the film, he's the equivalent of Leon. He's the big actor, but, but doesn't last very long. Yeah, so that's about him, uh, and he's just doing his business. Mm. He, he he does fishing, I think he does or something. He, he, he looks after this poor family, like he doesn't know him, but he walks past, gives him food and that. Uh, he gets found out he's a replicant. So they all start attacking him and call the police and he escapes to go live on the farm where he can be in And that's peace. where we pick him up in the film. Yeah, and then the third one is replicants rebel. Because uh, if they're more human than human, why are they treated poorly? Mm. The only thing they've got to show that they are more human than human is their right eyes. Yes. Um, they have a barcode thing yeah. on the underside of their eyeball, don't yeah. they? So to free themselves, to escape from the records, to put the world... To, to a worldwide ground zero, they create this massive VMP, and that is the history of 2049. Right. But you don't have to see any of that to watch and, and like the film. You don't, but it enriches the world. I Honestly, I think if you're into world-building science fiction, and you like the first film, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a tickly nose, and you like to rival... All of which tick my three boxes. Yeah. Then you will enjoy Blade Runner twenty forty nine. If none of those things are your particular brand of Earl Grey, <laughs> then I would advise you stay away from it because otherwise you're wasting two hours of your life, two and a half hours of your two life. Two and forty five. <laughs> it's a long film, and then you're just going to bitch about it on social media afterwards. So save yourself the time and save me having to read <laughs> that, and just don't bother. But for me and you, I I think it was a solid eight out of ten. In terms of the film that it was trying to be, mm. uh, by no way a failure, by no way um, dismissing the original or making the original seem somewhat lesser, a genuinely good continuation. I don't think it has the staying power of the original. Okay, what do you think? Uh, I think, to me, I keep saying this to you. I think it's it's more of an art film than a science fiction film. Mm. It's, uh, it's exploring some good sci-fi ideas, though. It is, yeah. Same with Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? I've not. Watch it. No, okay. Um, but for me, I think I'd give it an 8.59, okay. maybe. Yeah, right. Because the way I see it is, 
Harrison Ford is not in it until just after the two-hour mark. Yeah. It's not his film. It's not... To Even me, though he's the instigating event. Yeah, I don't see it as a sequel. I see it as its own film set in the same world. Hmm. Just because, again, up until the two-hour mark, it's got nothing to do with the original. Yeah, I'd it, argue with it that. It has, but it's not. It's the story of Agent K, and he sees something that happened after the first film, hmm. and he goes there's something bigger than this then mm. and then it becomes his film and then it gets grounded back into being more of a harrison solo thing yeah harrison solo when, when harrison solo shows up yeah it becomes a harrison solo film mm. and agent k kind of steps back a bit to but allow it's still to... but then he is still allowed to wrap up his storyline to allow the yeah. new story to take place which, after it, it. which returns back to being harrison ford excellent yeah. recreation of sean young as she was in the original Blade Runner, because mm. um, yeah. we had we had a conversation about that. Was this, is yeah. this CG? Mm. Because if it was CG, the eyes, which are always the trick with CG, were really good. Well, you said that, and I didn't want to say it because it was just about to come up. But the eyes was a major plot point. Yes, it was. the 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 eyes were as they always are in Blade Runner. Yes, I make eyes. Mm. So, but yeah. Thoroughly enjoyable, and I will be watching it again to get more out of it. I wish the cat would shut up! Sorry. Anyway, well, the cat can speak! <laughs> Holy crap! But, of course, the other major franchise picture, science fiction sequel that came out this year, to ooh, well on its way to earning over 1.7 billion worldwide. Yeah. Well on its way to becoming the biggest hit that Star Wars has seen in, in recent years, including the prequels and the sequels to the original Star Wars. But, again, if you go on social media, a massive flop. Yeah. The Last Jedi. Okay, so we both managed to remain spoiler-free for The Last Jedi. Which uh, is, This conversation will not be. It's surprisingly easy to not spoil something for yourself if you don't go out looking for it. Yeah. If you just if you just go around, I'm not looking on Twitter because Twitter's full of prats anyway. Yeah. And I'll I'll restrict my Facebook access to my page, mm. and that way if anyone wants to tag me in something, they can. But we'll be tied them if they tag me in something Star Wars related, because I find even a meme can ruin a film for you. My favourite meme to come out of this is thick Kylo Ren, <laughs> the, the topless shot. That's become my favourite mm. meme. But fair play to everyone I'm Facebook friends with. No one spoiled it. Yeah. And everyone I'm Twitter friends with, I don't know because I, I just avoided Twitter. Because to me, that's like bottom feeders for the most part. So I remember we went in, we both wanted to see it together. So we met up in Manchester, which is kind of like the midway point. A more or less central location that we can both get to relatively easily. We went to see a 10 o'clock in the morning screening. <laughs> Which I was not uh, happy about. But how full was it? Was, yeah. God, you know, for a flop, it was amazingly full. Well, how can it be a flop when the people who don't like it are childish enough to say, well, in my head, it never happened. Well, all right. Well, if, if it never happened, it never happened. Fair enough. So what are you getting upset about for something that never happened? Anyway, Star Wars The Last Jedi came out. I adored it. I'm not going to bury the lead. I adored it from word one, because the, the best part of any Star Wars film for me is always a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and when that logo fills the screen. In the cinema, isn't and it? Yeah, and you've got all the anticipation, and it's not let you down yet. Yet. So, so well, so the, the excitement is at fever pitch. 
And, you know, you're going into a Star Wars film, you're always a bit trepidatious. Mm. You're always wondering, is this one going to be the one that ruins it for me? Or is this the one that's going to have me go out going, and I survived the prequels. Right. And and love the prequels. I still enjoy, and I've had a lot of arguments like with my friend as well. He'll say like, "Well, the prequels are shit, and you're an idiot for thinking that." Oh, my dad likes the prequels, and he actually grew up with the Star Wars films because he's a lot older than you. Uh, well, your dad's wrong, so like, <laughs> which is an excellent argument. You're wrong. Okay. Well, that perfectly kind of sums up my problem with Star Wars fans is hmm. that you liked this film. Oh, you idiot! You liked the prequels. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a problem with that. I hate. I mean, this is weird coming from me because I don't like people who like the things that I like. Mm. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just. You student. I don't like the Star Wars mentality. You can't just like Star Wars films. Mm. Yeah, you've got to draw a line in the sand. Yeah, there are people that swore blind. The Empire Strikes Back ruined Star Wars. Yeah. So. And there are people who argue that if you don't like Empire Strikes Back, then you're just an idiot and yeah. you like Ewoks and Jar Jar. And there are really pretentious people who only like the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Because that's the way of things. But anyway, enough of that dribble. What did we think of it? I, first viewing, need to watch it again. We this. do need to go again. It's, it's, and I'll say before this, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. I'm not one of those people who only like that one. Yeah. But not only is it one of, it. not only is it, is it my favourite Star Wars film, mm. But it's one of my favourite films in general. What, Empire? Yeah. Last Jedi, first viewing, mm. just as good as, if not a bit better, to me, than Empire. I'm not going to go so far as to say better, because I always think you've got to leave a bit of time. For, Again, first viewing. Yeah, t- and first viewing, and time has to ultimately be the judge of these kind of things. Mm. But I came out of this one in a similar way to the way I came out of Empire when I was eight. Yeah, And the idea that that is, I don't think it's the same film. I mean, there's a ton of homages to The Empire Strikes Back in this film. Yeah, ton of homages to Return of the Jedi mm. as well. This is essentially Empire and Jedi smashed together. And it feels a lot more natural than yes. that. It doesn't, Force Awakens, despite what I might have, might have said, recorded after mm. coming out on it, mm. my least favourite, because mm. it feels like J.G. Abrams getting a, a toy box full of Star Wars toys mm. And then just making his own little film. But arguably The Force Awakens did exactly what it had to do. It wasn't a controversial film. Mm. It ticked all the right boxes for Star Wars fans and non-Star Wars fans. It brought the universe back as people remember it after the prequels. Mm. And it was a massive hit in the process. It was a very safe film. Yeah, it was this... It's risky on all sides. Not as risky as it should have been in certain places. Not as risky as some people are making it out to be. I thought there's one scene in particular which bugs me to no end because it... Spoilers. Well, okay, I'll say it. Yeah. yeah, say it. The bit with Leia in yeah. space yeah. really took me out of the film and I thought it was a bit stupid. Not only because, again, we're saying it's risky, but it wasn't risky mm-hmm. enough. Uh, it would have been a great scene if, if not even midway through it, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's battling with his feelings. He's just killed off his dad. He's got his mum left and he doesn't press the button. Mm-hmm. He's two TIE fighters doing instead. Mm. Out of his hands, blows up the bridge. Leia knows it. She braces. She gets sucked out. She should have died, though, if that's what they were going to do. It makes it stronger. It makes Kylo Ren's story more poignant. Mm. And it makes it a brave film in that, yeah, you're going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah. But it's set out to do what that scene is setting out to do. Mm. But no, she turns into this, this, this force 
flying space thing mm. that just flies right back. And yeah, I'm cool now. She didn't fly. She used the force. She clearly see her use the force. Yeah. To pull herself towards the ship. And then she recovers and she's fine again. That to but me. But then she's in the rest of the rest of the film. She's in a coma. Until she's not. Until she's needed for the plot. To me, that's. I feel that's a bit of a cop out, and mm. that was the most disappointing bit in the film because either. Mm-mm. Just don't do it or go all the way. Don't have your cake and then take a bite out of it and then put it back on the shelf because you don't want it anymore. Mm. See, especially with the death of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. That would have... But you, they couldn't edit it to have her die, though, because she's too important for later on in the yeah. film. so it's a great scene with Kylo Ren battling mm. himself. Yeah. But if they're not going to go all the way, then don't do it. Hmm. See, I didn't have a problem with it in the sense that we have no idea what Luke taught Leia or what Leia figured out on her own in that 30 years. Mm. How adept with the Force she became. Yeah. Because she would have had to get into it a little bit more. I mean, certainly she didn't become a Jedi Master or Knight like she did in the EU expanded novels. Yeah. But she's had a Force-sensitive child. So it makes sense. But then how much of that bit of dabbling on the side allows you to then breathe and be warm enough in space? Maybe it's one of those things where like people lifting cars when the kids are trapped in them. Maybe it was an adrenaline thing that kicked in when she needed it to kick in. Yeah. It's it felt a lot like the bit of the beginning of Phantom Menace when they do the super fast run mm. and then it's never, it's never mentioned again because yeah. it looks silly. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't have the problem with it. I I moved on. I thought, okay, fair enough. This isn't how we're getting rid of Princess Leia. So, okay. The other major controversy for people is that Holder, Laura Dern, didn't just tell Poe Dameron what was going on. Yeah. And I didn't like that at first. Mm. But then again... No, I started to warm up to it because, grand scheme of things, he might be a main character, but who is he to the Rebel Alliance? Yes. He's he's a, he's a close personal friend of Princess Leia, yeah. who has always appreciated a hotshot cocky pilot. Yes. But even she demotes him. Because he's a dangerous person. Yeah, he's just got a bunch of people killed. And so there's a new commander in who doesn't know him. Doesn't have that relationship with doesn't him. Doesn't have to like him. Nope. And so doesn't have to tell a soldier yeah. a general's plan. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of people will yeah. have problems and with. I will agree with the people complaining about that, that, you know, on the face of it, it's a bit dumb. Just tell him the plan. Mm. But for the story they were telling, they justified it enough in the film yeah. for me to be able to say, oh, okay, all right, she's not going to tell him. She doesn't feel that she has to justify her actions to it. And, and it felt to me, really. and she doesn't, no. And it felt to me like they were playing with that whole thing that was one of the themes of the film, that going in in an X-Wing with lasers blasting isn't always the best approach with the opening scene which is great yeah and then Dameron fucks it up yeah so you know so I felt within the film it justifies that position Mm. I mean I may feel differently when I see it again the other thing that people have talked about is Canto Bite they feel that that section of the film yeah is is irrelevant at best and unneeded at worst probably the most um, underrated, relevant part of the film. Yeah, because it ends with the child on the planet. Yeah, it sets up the ending force, of the film being force sensitive. Yeah. and holding on to hope that sparks the rebellion. Yeah. So again, you can't remove that scene. 
it's and it's I, important I didn't see to the, the problem ending. with it. No, again, it I, was a I, nice I, story that shows the real. I say real life at Star Wars. Mm, yeah, that shows the real side of war, mm. in that there are no good guys and bad guys because the same guy who funded the Empire also funded the Rebellion. Mm. It's there's no um, redeeming smugglers who don't want to fight but then change their mind anyway because mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro betrays them, gets yep. his money and pisses off. Yep. It's it's the most underappreciated bit of the film. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I'll have, when I watch it second time, I'll see what I think of it. Yeah. But I liked the whole... I like the whole subtext of that film that Rose feels like the animals don't deserve to be trapped like this for our entertainment, so she frees them. Mm. And I think my problem with it is Finn just kind of goes along with everything. He's not really a character in his own right. Finn didn't have a role in Last Jedi. No, which he's, was, he's there to set up Rose. Yeah, which was especially more spelt out when he's finally reunited with Rey and mm. blanks her. Yeah. And also, I'd completely forgotten that Rey had never met Poe Dameron. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. completely slipped my mind. See, another thing that somebody complained about is that the opening crawl is redundant in this film. I would actually agree with that criticism because this is picking up... Exactly. exactly where Force Awakens left off, which Star Wars has never done. Mm. It did set up that the, the rebellion was now on the run. Yeah, we they got found. So out how far it, after Force Awakens is this? The day after? It must be. It's because it, it doesn't. The way movies work is that the stuff with the rebels doesn't have to take place at the same time as the race stuff. Yeah, just from a movie point, it makes sense. Mm. Like Empire. Yeah, but. The the rebels got found out on their base in between films, so mm. the title call kind of just explained that. Mm. I mean, yeah, you can pick it up with the Empire coming in and the rebels going, "Oh, bugger, we have to escape now." That's but that's Hoff again. But yeah, and that just the title crawl just sets the scene for that. I yeah, guess. we don't need to see that again. We saw it in the Empire Strikes Back. We saw the the rebellion on the back foot. The Empire just completely decimating him, and then I'm having to flee the planet. We've seen all that before. This being a lot more brutal than that, mm. and and longer. It's it's the episode of Battlestar Galactica 30, 33, Yeah, where they're always ill prepared, and they they can do nothing but run away. Yeah, and they don't know <clears throat> what's going on. Um, yeah, it certainly felt like the Rebel Alliance was just who we can see on screen as well. Yeah. And well, that's that's reinforced by the fact that they send out a message to anyone who can help, and no one replies. Yeah, I, I you know I think the next one's going to start off with, oh surprise, we were just a bit too scared, but we're all now here to rescue you. Oh, It'll be a big swelling score. Yeah, because the next one's been handled by J.J. Abrams, who is a much safer filmmaker oh, than Ryan Johnson. I'm incredibly disappointed by that. As am I now. It's, uh, the it. Uh, Johnson took everything that Abrams set up hmm. and either got rid of what didn't work yep. he, he got rid oh, of or threw a complete curveball to all yeah. those people who've been going for two years well who we are our parents he, he got rid of Snoke who that's a great scene for me yep. the bit where he dies yep. and I've seen some people just say oh well he was a bit blinded by his anger because he couldn't see what Kylo Ren was doing no he's describing what he's yeah, doing I read it as he's describing literally that I said um, the same way and he's, so, he just doesn't see who that's aimed at yeah, but he's discre- he's understanding exactly what's going on, mm. and so I like that he got rid of that because he it didn't work. He, he yeah, is... need, we don't need another emperor. Yeah, um, and he is there just to die to set up mm. Kylo Ren becoming the Darth Vader now. Uh, the the whole Ray stuff with mm-hmm. her parents completely plays with the audience's expectations yep. in that 
not everything has to be connected. No. Maybe Ray is just a girl on Jakku. And this is something we've complained about before. Yeah. Isn't it? This this need that entertainment currently has for everything mm. to be connected in some way. That they have to explain yeah. everything. And Star Wars famously didn't explain stuff. Yeah. There's the backstory of the Clone Wars in the original Star Wars, throwaway line. Mm. Uh, Attack of the Clones, the much derided Attack of the Clones. Who's Dexter Jester? Where does he come from? Yeah. How does Obi-Wan know his way around a bar? All this stuff never explained. doesn't need to be explained. How is she ended up on Jakku? It doesn't matter, does it? Well, again, like, it's even recorded. I said that I believe Luke is her parents, mm-hmm. or father even. And so that bit was completely targeted at, at people like me who was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's got to be but i was pleasantly surprised by that because it makes sense that it wouldn't be yeah. anyone well I, again on shitter and i hate to keep bringing shitter up <laughs> but uh, i saw somebody post the most ridiculously stupid thing i hope it's not a friend who listens um something like um let's petition lucasfilm to say um ray gives him the lightsaber and luke goes are you all right and he said oh i just had a really weird vision and he went oh yeah me too let's go and kill snoke and I'm like, that is the most predictable thing they could have done. Is yeah. that really what you wanted? You really wanted to pay your money to sit through two and a half hours of something painfully predictable that we've seen before that just follows the beats, laid out for you, step by step, that's safe and comfortable, is like a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> is that really what you wanted? Mm. Rather than something that at least is willing to take the odd risk or two, that yeah. feels dangerous. Because yeah. that was my big thing with this. I came out of this feeling that whilst I was watching the film, anything could happen and anybody could it die. It was not an uncomfortable film to sit through, but... No, it was in a good way. Yeah, you, you couldn't sit back and relax. No. Any number of things could have happened to anyone on yeah. the screen. And that's what I mean by it felt like but Empire. That's, again, what I was trying to say about Princess Leia mm. is you've totally got that thing to the film. You've but got, you've just saved a you've life. You've got the audience in the palm of your hands. Anything could happen and did, but it didn't matter. Right. Is, yeah. And it's going to be interesting for, for, for another thing as well, coming out of this one, I don't know where episode nine's going to go. I don't, but now after this and knowing about Abrams and The Force Awakens, it's going to be a perfectly predictable and safe film. Probably. And it's going to... But then again... That so follows was, Star Wars Empire and Jedi. So was Return of the Jedi, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, again, why I would argue on first few and I prefer it to Empire Strikes Back mm. is because it follows the same story beats and the same tones and all that stuff. It's it's Yoda shows up and burns down the Jedi books, which is great. And Page <laughs> Turners, they were not. He was a puppet as well. And he was brilliant. Um, Mr. Skywalker. Yeah. Mm. But Kylo Ren despite what I thought about him in The Force Awakens, was the best bit in The Last Jedi for me. Mm. He's interesting when you think he's going to go where you want to go in a brilliant lightsaber scene. Yep. He then goes back and then grows and becomes Darth Vader, the person he's wanted to be but hasn't been, but now he, he can grow into it which is when he steps out of the shadow and becomes such a stronger person because of it. Yeah, he's a better he's, villain in this one. Yeah, so it follows the same beats as... Empire Strikes Back. It's got... Um, Touches of Jedi. In a similar way to how Luke was on Dagobah, Rey explores herself and the Force and is tempted by the dark side and thinks she can utilise it and then doesn't see herself as Darth Vader but sees nothing at all in a mirror which frightens her. Mm. But apart from that, Darth Vader might have... Darth Vader was a down and out bad guy in Empire. Kylo Ren struggled and saw the light side as the bad and was a lot more... Uh, interesting 
and in depth than Darth Vader and Empire. Mm. And I might annoy a few people saying this. I'm just explaining what I thought of it. So it was a lot more... It followed the same beats, the same character beats and that, but it had a lot more depth to it. Mm. And I'm not saying Empire is depthless. It's just all on the surface. This had more interesting and complex villains than just, I'm Darth Vader, I'm the bad guy. I'm Boba Fett, I'm the bad guy. Mm. I'm, you know, it's... it's. Well, the Boba Fett analogue in this is Captain Phasma, who I, once again yeah. was completely wasted. So I'd have to watch it again to cement this, but for me, it's Empire Strikes Back, but if it went to art school and wrote poetry, <laughs> there's a lot more to it under the surface mm. that you've got to... You don't even have to think about it. Kylo Ren says for himself, I'm going to burn down the past and I see the light as the bad. Mm. So it's just, it, it, it's a lot more complex mm. than Empire is. But it's amazing how on the nose the dialogue is without spelling it out for you. And it's amazing how ignorant uh, a lot of people who didn't like it are so that they can't even interpret what they're literally being told mm. it's not going to go the way that you wanted to and we're burning down the past so we can create the new mm. it's 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 there in the yeah. film yeah so I, I i loved it and i hope mm. i love it more on second screen and i mean if you didn't like it good i'm i'm perfectly happy to read legitimate criticisms of it it just seems there haven't been that many legitimate criticisms of that it that review you sent me was hilarious yeah <laughs> I, I sent michael a review you got the link for it anyway Probably on your phone with, i sent michael a link for um for what's his which, name without which, insulting or anything whoever to wrote, the it, wrote it, yeah. it did feel a lot like it it tried to make complaints that weren't there yeah the the milk drinking scene was misogynistic and the battering ram an actual an actual weapon used by military and swap teams in real world was phallic was phallic to break down the to attack the the vagina representing yeah hole yeah. entrance now i'm not saying this as a misogynistic privileged white straight man but you but, are obviously but when those are your complaints Maybe it's time to t- go away from the internet for a, a bit. It kind of felt like um, he was, or she, everything that's missing from The Last Jedi. Here it is. This is the mm-hmm. article. It's uh, it's on samiraahmed.co.uk. So I, I don't know whether that person, journalist, writer, it says. So, um, I mean, obviously, we don't wish to diss on Samira. This is what his opinion was, or her opinion was. But the scroll scene could have been written for episode seven. I kind of agree to, mm. with that to a certain extent that the scroll was uh, Leia is unconscious for half the film okay I think there's a reason for it but Gwendolyn Christie's wasted again yeah. I kind of agree with that Maz Kanata was in one scene by webcam uh, and I want to film I want to see the film she's in it looks quite exciting that's going to be a novel yeah I'm and pretty it's, it's sure not, it's not her film no there's three women over 30 from The Force Awakens barely in it uh, I don't agree that Laura Dern's burly in it. Mm. And how do you, how old do you, how do you know Maz Kanata is? How old is she? Is that mentioned in the Force Awakens? Don't know. But she's an alien. But then again, like Star, the original trilogy received a bit of flack from only having two women in the galaxy. Yeah, well, but Laura Dern's not only in it for yeah, for and a minute. she's quite. Maybe not integral, but quite an important character in it. Uh, Luke aggressively milking the thing. Uh, some weirdly unintentional misogynistic stuff though. I just see. I kind of think with that, he's he's kind of showing her that life there is rough because he wants her to just go away. And it's also showing her 
his routine. Mm. He's got it all down to a perfect T, even jumping over that big drop. Yeah. Um, Finn and Poe are sidelined from the main action, but again, it's not their film. Although I felt you learn a lot more about Poe Dameron mm. as a character in this one than you did in the last well, one. Well, again, in the last one, he was just, I'm Poe Dameron, I fly X-Wings and I'm really good. Yeah. But in this, he's a lot more complex where it says, well, no, because you flying X-Wings is not good. Yeah. Um, we never learn why Maz had Luke's lightsaber. Why does it matter? Mm, to me, I, that's something that I wanted to know from The Force Awakens as well, because it's just so convenient that Maz would have it, so Ray could come. Yeah, but and that's JJ Abrams all over, isn't it? It is, yeah. So even, and to me, this is Ray and Johnson dealing with that by going by snapping it and yeah, throwing it away and yeah. getting rid of it. Chewbacca gets almost nothing to do. That's true. Yeah, Chewie doesn't really get much to do. But again, it's you know you can't say this for everything, but is it mm. really his film? He's barely in the first one. Yeah, um, we're well over an hour, hour and a half, I think, till we get a proper lightsaber fight. Have you seen the other films? Yeah. But it's a great lightsaber fight. Well, it's uh, so to be good. fair, to be fair, he does say that best scene in the film Kylo versus Rey. But none of the other films begin with a lightsaber battle, apart from Revenge of the Sith. And even that, it's just what a, are you in 20, just 25 an execution scene in before you get yeah. the lightsaber battle. But is that not like saying, "Oh, it's a half an hour into a Superman film before he's Superman"? Yeah, it's like you've got to build up the story. Yeah. You can't just open with a lightsaber fight. You know, you've just you've got yeah. to accept that. So okay, so anyway. that wasn't us like yeah. Them I'm, apart. I'm it was not, just saying I'm not this, dissing this... on on Samira Ahmed who wrote that article. It's just a perfect and easy example of yeah. how a lot of the complaints. Yeah, it was an easy one to pull up. Yeah. If Samira listens, I doubt that he does, but I, I'd be happy to engage in a polite debate about it rather than we suck for not agreeing with it. Yeah. Um, some of your criticisms we've just said we agree with. We agree with mm-hmm. Wendell and Christie being wasted. And it's not us saying that if you don't like it, then you're wrong. Yeah. It's just to say that if you don't like it, why? I want to hear proper reasons why you don't like it. For me, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. And I had, like, one of my friends posted, oh, it was awful, I felt. And I said, like, why? Mm. It's great. Yeah, I loved it. Well, it wasn't safe and it was stupid. And and I'm saying to him, yeah, well, that, they're my favourite criticisms where people yeah. list all the things they don't like and that are all said, the reasons I love it. And he said, like, um, the perfect one, and this is where I could see his argument, like, just breaking down. Mm. And he said, because um, I showed you that screenshot of what his friend said, and it's yeah. like, oh, well, I really enjoyed it. It's like, oh, must have, uh, must have liked the prequels. Must have only seen the first three, which I could have been pedantic and said, well, I have seen the first three, and they're not the prequels, you're not bad. <laughs> but... Uh, Mince words, Michael. What do you really think? But uh, he he said like, well, you know, who was Snoke? I said, right, okay. You've just you know insulted me for liking the prequels. You had a, it was that that logic. Who was this? What was that that created the prequels that you just said you're uh, I'm an idiot for liking? So come on now, like <laughs> make your mind up. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Well, that's the last uh, the last Jedi. I don't know that it was thoroughly dissected, because we've only seen it the once. Yeah, you can't... I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since we saw it as well. Yeah. Let's yeah, watch it again. Yeah, we, we need to watch on, it what, again. What are we doing this afternoon? We're going on... We're going to me now. <laughs> me and Mom. And then you're going home. Um, we're going on New Year's Eve. Uh, we've got emails and... Oh, Justice League. Justice League came out. That's how irrelevant Justice League was to me. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok came out as well. Um, Which was thoroughly enjoyable. Was Spider-Man Homecoming this year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was, and, yeah, and Guardians 2. Yeah. 
Right, okay. I think we talked about should, Spider-Man should, should and... we do a quick ticket? Well, I think Spider-Man and Guardians we mentioned last time we saw each other, didn't we? Because we didn't remember then what had come out this yeah. year. So Thor Ragnarok, hugely enjoyable as a sitcom version of the Marvel Universe, completely wasted the Planet Hulk stuff. It did, but it was still uh, a great film. Yeah, with... still glorious yeah. entertainer. Um... Justice League. Haven't seen it. You didn't bother going watching no, it, did you? No intention to. I'm I've wasted six hours of my life watching Batman vs. Superman twice. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> uh, I, I have better things to do with my time than watch Justice League. Like watch Blood Runner twenty forty nine again. <laughs> yeah, or or even just sit on the toilet. <laughs> For three hours thinking, well, well, at least I'm not watching Justice League. In the interest of bringing balance to the force, yeah, uh, I have seen Justice League. I didn't think it was at all bad. Which is, is that a positive criticism? No, and again with Wonder Woman, a lot of people raved on it, but I was sitting there thinking, are we really like praising films for just not being shit? No, Wonder Woman's good. Mm. I am of the opinion... Uh, this is extremely minority opinion, and there are any number of people who don't agree with me. But I am very much of the opinion that it's not as good as Captain America: The First Avenger, and it's doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, but it's good. It's a hugely enjoyable superhero movie. Gal Gadot owns it. Chris Pine's good in it. But in its last act, it, it devolves once again into CGI fest of yawn. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was. Good, mm. but I enjoyed watching it. I thought but I'm it was not a, in a rush it, to go. Back. I thought it was a bit self-aggrandizing to have Richard Donner passing the baton over to Patty Jenkins, and all I could sit there thinking, pretty sure Marvel have made Captain America and the yeah. Avengers, which were both just as good as Superman. Mm. But you go, you go on and pat yourselves on the back for having made one decent movie since Superman in nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. Mm. And what about Batman Begins? Did that not deserve to have the baton passed to it? Apparently not. So so apparently everything that DC released in between Superman and Wonder Woman was shit, as decided by the Warner yeah. Brothers. Well, and, and one of the controversial things behind it was like, I'm not really scared to say because it's a valid opinion, mm. and but it might cause a bit of... Oh, who cares at this? Is point? that a lot of it? A lot of it's 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 self relating and a lot of it's patting itself on the back, and a lot of its praise was simply due to the fact that it's uh, a female lead and a female director. Mm. This isn't like uh, a a kind of sexist thing that I'm gonna say. It's just you a film objectively doesn't deserve praise just by being done by a minority mm. or another. It's your film isn't good just because it's directed by a woman. Your film's not good just because it's a, f- a female lead. Because mm-hmm. I would, I would even exhibit argue, A, my lord, Tank Girl. Yeah, because I would even argue that Wonder Woman and a lot of people came out of it saying, "Oh, it made me a lesbian. It was empowering, and and it was great for young girls going in mm-hmm. to see a female role model." I absolutely get that, but it's crisp. It's Steve Trevor that does things. Wonder Woman, especially in the final act, is incredible. Yeah, she fights Ares, mm. but she doesn't do but Steve anything. Trevor saves the day. Yeah, see, and I've only seen it once, so I don't remember. It's it's it was just a, I heard a lot about it because it was hard not to before it came out. Mm. Uh, but going into it, and it's like I'm expecting this great feminist film, which it was. Yeah, but at the same time, it's it's a man that helps her out and that and this, yeah it's still a man that instigates the plot yeah 
So I just was that just me being a bit traditional in my views, <laughs> which I'm I'm not on it. But was was that also me being a bit? I, I don't know. Was that people being excited and blinded by what was objectively happening? I just didn't get it. But for me, it 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 still a lot of praise came from it being women. Yeah, a lot of praise came from a female-led director. Yeah, on a female-led picture. Yeah, um, that maybe it didn't deserve it. And wouldn't have got if it was done by men. If it was exactly the same film, but directed by Joe Johnson. Yeah. So, not a sexist comment, all completely objective. Mm. But I just think we shouldn't be praising a film for not being bad. We shouldn't be praising a film for being directed by a woman. Mm. No, see, I don't disagree with you. I do agree with you that it's a good thing that it exists. Mm. Uh, and it is good. Let's, yeah. let's establish that from the get-go. It's not bad. It's, it's, a very, it's a hugely enjoyable tale with lots of really good scenes. The No Man's Land scene being tackled by a woman oh, that was my least favorite bit oh i liked that bit for me well the major problem i had with it is it didn't know what it wanted to be it didn't know whether it wanted to be a captain america comic book film mm-hmm. or it didn't know if it wanted to be a serious commentary on war yeah so when wonder woman is seeing all these people dying and doing all this and blah, 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 and it's downtrodden and steve trevor's saying that's not the mission we've got a mission sometimes you've just got to ignore things mm. sometimes you've got to turn a blind eye and focus on the bigger picture and wonder woman just says no i think I want to be a comic film now, so I'm going to walk across no man's land. Hmm. That would have been perfectly fine had it been that film, but in a film that says no because that's not the reality of war, Hmm. you can't start then to warp the reality of war. Right. So the other problem that it had was being set in World War One, which Mm -hmm. isn't as black and white as World War Two. And I honestly think if Captain America hadn't happened, this would have been set in World War Two. Yeah. And that was, but, but I objectively I had no problems with it, and I do need to watch it again because Anya loved it. So the, and that's, the target yeah, audience loved it. That's what's good about it as well because it's it's very similar to mm. when we saw the Force Awakens and when Ray Force grabs the lightsaber, that little girl next to us gasped. Yeah, because that was her moment. That's mm. her role model. Da, 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 da. So it's good to them. Yeah, uh, you're just, just arguing objectively. Is it as good as everyone is saying it is? Yeah, or is it just ticking a couple of twenty first century? Yeah. Boxes. Yeah, 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 but without trying to sound as. Hmm. No, it... I, I don't think that there's a problem with saying, well, all right, is this film any better if it's directed by? Because it takes you to the direction of where we are at the minute. That yeah. objectively, all men are evil. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe we are. What do I know? <laughs> I don't think we. Are. Well, certainly, I don't think I'm evil. Yeah, you know, a little bit ambiguous every now and again. <laughs> but I don't think that I'm evil. Just a shade of grey. Yeah, just a shade of grey. But anyway, that was that took us there from Justice League. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman's fine in Justice League. She's playing settle fiddle to Baffleck mm. or whatever his proper name is. Uh, it's it's all right. I'd recommend you watch it when you can watch it for free. Yeah, I've I've. Or maybe you should pay to go and watch it to show DC that we actually want films that are funny and entertaining. Well, my friend said his favourite bits in it was uh, the Henry Cavill scenes, just because yeah. of how ridiculous it was that they didn't want to pay to get rid of. A Would mustache. it not have made much more sense for the Mission Impossible people to stick a mustache on him? <laughs> then Warner Brothers have to <laughs> CG remove it. And it's even more hilarious that Justice League um, promoted... No, like shaving stuff, like mm. Gillette or whatever, promoted <laughs> Justice League. It's <laughs> But yeah. Yeah, all of all of Cavill's Superman scenes are great. I do want Man of Steel 2 now with a, a competent writer at the helm. It's, it's enjoyable fluff. I mean, it, it's quite clearly a patchwork movie. Mm. Even, you know, just watching it 
without knowing the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. You're watching it going, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. But the fact that they've locked an hour out of it doesn't half help. Yeah. Because it moves along at a, a cracking speed. And it's, it's just a shame that, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't let things interfere with art, you shouldn't let the artist, but the fan base really do ruin DC films for everyone. <laughs> just, ev- just shut up and just enjoy the film without having to insult others for what they enjoy. Or, or don't just, enjoy it. Yeah. But haven't just, you just insulted people who didn't like Star Wars? No, I'm just saying why. <laughs> what I was saying is, if you if you don't enjoy Star Wars, yeah. don't insult me and me and liking the prequels. Hmm. Just If you don't like a film, then don't like it. But if you do like a film, then like it and just shut up about it. <laughs> you have your film. Yeah, you've, you've got your Batman vs Superman. It's there for you. Yeah. I thought it was boring, but and it's uh, Michael Bailey shared it a lot on Facebook. Where there's a there's a petition going around like, oh, release the Snyder cut, of the film, release it, release it. <laughs> um, and then Zack Snyder came out and said, there isn't a Zack Snyder cut. I just directed a film. Hmm. Uh, I had to step off it, and someone else took over. There's no Snyder, and fans were like, give give him money to finish the film. <laughs> well. There was no Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 until there was. Yeah. So it's entirely possible they can piece together bits of it mm. and put, I don't know, put anima- animatics in it to fill in the bits that he never filmed. Right. You know, if there's an audience for it, release it. Yeah, I mean, you do have a three-hour TV cut of, mm. a, of a film, so... Yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's an audience, though, they should release it and let them let those people that want to see it, see it. I mean, there's a revenue stream for them, though, clearly. Yeah, but... But I do get a little bit bored of Twitter arguments, again. Um, everything Joss Whedon did for this film was shit, and everything Zack Snyder did was gold. And I'm always just like, you did see Batman vs Superman, right? Yeah. Whereas I think all of the Superman bits in this film were great, hmm. and they apparently all came out of reshoots. Right. In the original cut of the movie, or the original script, when Superman comes back to life, he starts zapping civilians with his heat vision. Okay. That's going to make him beloved, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just blinded stupidity to an extent. It's 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 doubling down on something. Yeah. It's doubling down on your opinion in the face of, oh, okay. Well, it's just the whole, everything Joss Whedon did was shit, everything Snyder did was gold. It's, it's, that does kind of embody that fan base a bit, mm. generally, and, you know, not... Not everybody. Not everybody, but it's just a case of... Again, just can you not just enjoy something or don't like? Um, Why do you have to feel persecuted if you like something that others don't? Is is the Joss Whedon stuff shit, or do you just refuse to accept to like it because you want to? Do you mm. just blindly follow Snyder? It's mm. so anyway. Well, that's that's uh, that's Justice League, which you haven't seen. I've not. <laughs> not. Maybe uh, in two years' time we can sit together and say, like, "Oh, have you finally seen it?" Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right, that was movie talk. So let's have a look at an email before we get we into... Hey, kids, movies. Yeah, we'll do some actual oh, comics stuff. Chris, Chris Franklin emailed in. Happy New Year, Chris and Cindy. Hello, Leyland. I was pleasantly surprised to find a Hey, kids, in my iTunes today. This was the 29th of the 8th. So you'll be doubly surprised to find this one. Yeah. 
I thought Michael had flown away Nightwing style never to return, but since Nightwing did eventually return to occasional back guest spots, I guess that's a bad analogy. Or maybe a good one. No, no, I think that fits adequately, doesn't it? Well, I can think of someone who would like to compare me to Nightwing anyway. <laughs> Nightwing returns every now and again for an adventure. That's you. Either way, Identity Crisis. Oh, God, yeah, we did Identity Crisis. Yeah. Uh, this series, newish DC, the series newish DC fans seem to love and old school fans loathe with every fibre of our being. Well, I will agree with you that it's for the most part well written and illustrated. I really like, like Rags Morales' stuff going all the way back to his forgotten black Condor book of the early 90s and his impressive run on Jeff John's Hawkman revival shortly before this. But beyond that, my problems with it are the same ones you brought up, Andy, plus some. One, it should have been an Elseworlds. Let Didio get that type of story out of his system. Let Meltzer create his JLA history that never really was and move on. Darwin Cook's New Frontier kind of sort of works as the beginning of DC's Silver Age if you don't stick it to a hard timeline and it doesn't soil the characters like this did. Yet it's pure Elseworlds. Of course, DC continuity doesn't mean diddly squat nowadays, but it did back then. Kinda. There were still some remnants of the actual publishing history intact at DC, and this figuratively tarnishes its silver and bronze sheen. Meltzer relied on old storylines and notions long abandoned, like that Injustice League secret society story where they body swap with the JLA. That did happen, circa JLA 167 to 168. And Gene Loring went nuts before, during the late Silver and Bronze Ages. So Meltzer did his homework, but he also created relationships between the characters that hadn't existed before. Why would Batman let anyone know about Robin's secret ID, for instance? There's a lot of those little things that just rank untrue to me, and therefore made the story beat seem forced just to tell a shocking story. And yes, this was the beginning of the end for poor Tim Drake. Two, put me in the camp that believes that this type of story doesn't belong in the mainstream superhero comics. The older I've gotten, the more I think the darkest you should go with these characters is what Bruce, Tim and co. did in their TV series. It's still accessible and enjoyable to adults, but kids can read it as well. Making Dr. Light a rapist pervert... Sorry. Making Dr. Light a rapist pervert makes me cringe every time he shows up for a laugh on my kids' Teen Titans Go episodes. If these characters appear on diapers and band-aids, they really don't have any business being involved in these type of stories. What next? Black Pete rapes Daisy Duck? I know that's an extreme example, but I've still really gotten to where I have a hard time stomaching such things, even if it's handled well as it is here. I still think it's somewhere the characters shouldn't be taken. But I do have to apologise for Brad Meltzer. For years I thought this was all his idea. I had no idea did Dio pitch this to him. I always wondered how anyone who loved the Bronze Age so much could have dragged the characters through the mud in such a way. I still kind of do. But if he was basically presented a plot to work out, it makes more sense. And maybe he figured it was going to happen anyway and he could minimise the damage. I don't think that really worked out, though. Sorry for being more rambly than normal, but this story gets my gumption up. Great discussion, though, fellas. Come back soon. Chris, not Cindy. I swear I'm a real boy. I don't know if this is soon. Mm. Does this count as soon? It's only been four months. <laughs> it has, yeah. Four months. That's that's pretty good for us. Anyway, Christmas gubbins. You want me to do one? Yeah. All right, well, I'll do one. Uh, my mum got me Star Wars Battlefront 2. Woohoo! I can now finally play with all the people that are online, including Dr. Bill Robinson, who I always play this stuff with, and Scott, and Gene Hendricks is now available to play Battlefront. So if you want to join us playing Battlefront 2, which you do, yeah, we can play Battlefront 2. So that's that's my first present. Very excited to play that. What did you get? Uh, go for this one, I guess. All right, then. Uh, off, off my girlfriend's grandma, Nana, uh... I got The Legend of Zelda first manga. The Ocarina of Time. Is yep, this a game? Uh, it is. 
the they've been mangas for a while, but they've just recently been reformatted and recollected into neat little new editions. Mm, that's quite neat, isn't it? Is this back to front reading? Yeah. Like the Japanese do. Yeah, you struggle with that, don't you? I do struggle a bit with that. I have Different cultures that aren't mine. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> you know that. But I do, I'll be honest with you, I do struggle with... Foreign policies just outside of the North. Yeah. I like the North. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I suppose if you read enough of it, you'd get used to it, wouldn't you? There's, there's entire kids who have probably grown up... exclusively read this. ...reading manga. Yeah, so... and they're all on my comic course. Are they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so very nice, very nice, very good. Uh, next for me, a Blu-ray release of DC's Superman the Movie three-hour-long TV version, along with the Superman the Movie special edition that originally came out on that tin dog that I've got somewhere from 2006. Now, to be fair, I was going to replace Superman the Movie on Blu-ray, Right, and this saved me the problem of having to because they have also released the three-hour cut that was originally heard on was it ABC in America? I don't know. It never got shown over here. Right, the three-hour cut was of this... it the movie that nobody wanted until they had it. Yeah, it was. It was the movie that didn't exist. Yeah, until they put it together and it did exist, like the Zack Snyder thing. So mm. you may hold one of those <laughs> yeah. in your hand one day. Um, and what it makes out that 40 minutes of story was created for a two one of a ahead of its time makeover for its television premiere. You know the reason for this? They got paid for the Sulkins were on a minute by minute deal, so they put every bit of footage back in the film to make more money. Pacing be damned. <laughs> um, I haven't watched it yet, but I have seen you know bootlegs of it yeah. over the years, and um. It's one of those where it's interesting to have it and it's interesting to have all the scenes in the film. It does not make the film better. Yeah. And and a lot of it, you can actually understand why it was cut out. Is it just a diehard fan cut? Yes, pretty much. It's not the version of the film you would probably watch for fun and pleasure. Mm. Um, and it's not the one that you'd want to put on TV for people to watch at Christmas. Yeah. It is just for people like me who think that this is the finest superhero movie ever made. So, obviously, I will be watching that next week when your mum's at work and I'm still off. Okay. <laughs> what did you get? Uh, well, I got a... Uh... <laughs> you have to give the story of this. So, many, many moons ago... E- tinkly music. Yeah. Uh, through, throughout his life, my sister's life, me and my brother shared a bedroom, as you know. Yes. Um... And I used to have a Buzz Lightyear toy. Proper big one. I suppose it's a life-sized Buzz Lightyear toy. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, and I had it for years and years and years. And then one day, my brother was sick on it. And I was not happy. Not happy at all. No, and you've never let us forget that. I never let you forget that. Because to make me feel better, you said, It's fine. <laughs> There's bits of sick inside his helmet that I'm not going to get out. So I'll just throw it in the bin, but I'll buy you a new one. Mm-hmm. And that was, what, 14 years ago? Yeah, it was somewhere along those lines. So for Christmas, I have got a Buzz Lightyear toy. We finally got, we finally replaced you the Buzz Lightyear toy. Yes. How is it different to your original Buzz Lightyear toy? Well, it's not, but he's got this little... Oh, did the, he not have the, the, the red glowy arm um, of red glowiness? The buttons on his arm. Yeah, he didn't have that. He didn't have the karate chop action arm. The wanking arm. Yes. 
Uh, and I think he's just got more freezes. Oh, his wings, they used to pop in and out. Yeah. But these ones... Wow. They, for anyone nice who can't wingspan. see... Yeah. They they get tucked underneath. Right. And then when you press a button, they lift up and pop out. Right, so there's some redesigning going on, but it's the same mould. Yeah, more So it's pretty much the same doll that you had when you were little. Yeah, when you were little... The it only did one phrase per button. Yeah. Okay, Tim Allen. Let's not let's not build. The... <laughs> he's very verbose, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking this yesterday. You, do, you can't just press buttons. Yeah. He's it's a proper dialogue with yeah. him. And that was the red button twice. The red button twice. Uh, I love a red button. Uh, the red button twice gave different phrases. Your original, the three buttons only gave a phrase each. I'm Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. So does he still say all that stuff that he said on the original? I've no idea. I've not got there yet. Ah, right, okay. You're, you're still cycling through Tim Allen not shutting up. <laughs> oh, So anyway, yeah, the Buzz Lightyear time made a comeback. So that's delightful. Yeah. Isn't it? I'm very impressed with that. It's been a sentimental Christmas. Yeah, you've loved it. Because you were going to write Mike on his foot. I was, but Andy's already on, though. Yeah. And it's been redesigned so that the Y curves around. Yeah, I mean, it's authentic, but what if your kid's not named Andy? No, yeah. <laughs> Did you buy this for another son that I don't it's know It's mine. About? <laughs> <laughs> I bought it for me. <laughs> it's funny, that wouldn't surprise me. No, I wanted me to have it, but your <laughs> mum wouldn't let me keep it, which is uh, quite tragic. Uh, mother-in-law, who is magnificent, bought me shit tons of stuff. Like, how many are there, Michael? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 of the Star Wars die-cast metal Hot Wheels. Um, which I presume she must have got as a job lot somewhere. Mm. Um, so, because I only have, I have a first order Tie Fighter and I have Paul Dameron's X-wing, and another regular Tie Fighter. But now That's the Tie Interceptor. Sorry, yeah, the Tie Interceptor. But now I've got the Jedi Starfighter from the prequels. The Naboo Starfighter. The Naboo Starfighter. I've got the first order Snow Speeder from the Force Awakens. Did they have a Snow Speeder? Oh yeah, they did. Seen so. in one shot. Seen in one shot. The Tie Fighter. From Star Wars Rebels, it says here. Right. But we remember that from, from the original films. And you'll have pass me as we get through. And Republic Gunship, what's that from? Oh, that's from the Jenny Tartar's Free Clone Wars okay, cartoon. It's got the, the dragon paint on it. So that's why this doesn't say what it's from, because that's now not part of Probably, canon. Yeah. That has been, people demanded that that be white. Oh, speaking of which, you know what else I saw on Twitter? Go on. I think it was the Murray Sue, so it serves me right for right, yeah. the Murray Sue. <laughs> yeah. But there was an article where somebody was demanding that Lucasfilm come out and tell you what Paul Dameron's sexuality is. Because ambiguity just isn't part of storytelling uh, I, anymore. Okay, here's the, I've told you this story. My friend, he's he's a big, he, he delves into the SJW stuff and he said, like, Poe and Finn mm. are just a gay couple waiting to happen. Yeah. I said, no, 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 piss off. <laughs> And he said, no. Why did you say piss off? I have no problem with Poe and Finn being like, Again, like the whole, we demand you come out with this. Yeah, leave it as It doesn't have to be a thing. It's not a thing until you make it. Just let's watch Star Wars together and be happy. Said, <laughs> let's watch Star Wars together, my best friend, man, and be happy. But anyway, he's like, no, 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 no. Because we, we were watching the, the Force Awakens anyway while we we're doing our coursework. He says, just, just watch. Yeah. And it's the bit where, where Poe and Finn are reunited after he supposedly dies. Is that my beginning. jacket? He sees the jacket and he grabs him and holds him and says, it looks good on you. And there's one shot where, where Poe hmm. is very clearly biting his lip as he looks Finn upside down and he pauses it on the exact moment. And I sit there and I go, yeah, all right. <laughs> I concede that this scene is rife with homosexual well, undertones. Just, yeah, it's... Yeah. 
<laughs> Alright, fair enough, pen and pen and po pin. Pin. Pin! That could be the That's the, the shipping yeah, name. Yeah. That's the shipping name, yeah. Hey, if you want to ship Poe and Finn, fine. Just don't demand yeah, that but it I be think a thing. Demanding that Lucasfilm tell you that it's it's what it is. Uh, could you imagine a contract? Yeah, like, uh, so so. Put- God, but God forbid, left wing millennials should be um, <laughs> and, entitled to something like that. Eh? Could you imagine if it came out? So Poe Dameron straight. Ah, oh, we demand that he's gay. They've switched to Lucasfilm are onto a loser now, whichever <laughs> way they go. Yeah. Aren't they? It's best just to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> well, are they are they happy that Finn seems to have some kind of attraction to to Rose in this one? Is that a ship waiting to happen? Or is... She is a, a minority, I guess. So it How do you know she's a minority in Star Wars? This what is my problem with it being right. Star yeah. Wars. Okay, all right. You yeah. don't know that in Star. You don't know in Star Wars that Han Solo, Corellian, he's not a minority on Corellia. You don't know in Star Wars where Admiral Akbar sticks it. Yeah. You don't <laughs> yeah. know in Star Wars whether Greedo's a, a man or a woman or neither or both. This is my thing with Star Wars. I have no problem with Star, Star Trek. Star Wars all of exists outside of yeah. gender. Star Trek, brilliant. <clears throat> You've got a gay couple in Star Trek Discovery now. Absolutely fantastic. But Star Wars isn't Star Trek. Star Wars is Star Wars. What is Jabba? Come on, what what gender is Jabba at all? You know? He likes slave girls, yes. He may like slave boys. He likes Leia, who's clearly not the woman with the green tentacles that was there before. This is my thing with Star Wars. You don't know what all these people are. You don't know what gender is on... Whatever planet Thingio comes from, Abbas, Abbas, or whatever that planet was. <laughs> Is that a real planet? I think it was something like that. You don't know what the Greedos do to reproduce. You don't know what the Akbars do in the comfort of their own home. We don't. I mean, the Wookies have a nuclear family. We know that because of Kashyyyk. Yeah. Uh, right, fine, okay, but that's not symptomatic of the entire universe. <laughs> so when you're trying to graft our sensibilities onto Star Wars. Because you don't know what goes on in Star Wars. It's not mapped out for you. You be whatever you want to be in Star Wars. That's the point of Star Wars. <laughs> Isn't it? Am I yeah. missing the point? Yeah. Am I? Okay. <laughs> oh, missing the point. Yeah. Am I missing the point of someone, Star Wars? Someone somewhere will say, yeah. Okay, all right, fine. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've wasted 40 years of my life thinking <laughs> that the whole point of Star Wars, you could be whatever the hell you want to be, just don't be an asshole member of the Empire. That seems whoa, 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 to me whoa, whoa, to be whoa, whoa, the message whoa, whoa. of Star Wars. You're not allowed to want to punch the Empire. I, I do. Because by doing that, by, by impeding on the Empire's freedom of There's speech. There's good on both sides <laughs> of this argument. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, we've ticked and we've pissed off the left, we've pissed off the right. Could you could you imagine on the Star Wars Twitter? We've pissed off the Mosu readers. Hashtag punch a stormtrooper. <laughs> they should make that as one of those bot games. <laughs> what they do with frogs. <laughs> It is not our intention to piss anyone off. I'm sorry, we've drunk a lot over this. Is that our excuse? And sometimes you just get to a point where you just get pissed off. It's our podcast. If you don't like it, don't yeah, piss it. You know, um, you know, like I say, Star Trek brilliant. I'm down with the fact that Star Trek now have the, the, the engineer and the doctor both gay. I'm fine with that. Well, Star Trek is grounded but, upon yeah, human and, history. But, yeah, and Star Trek's always been about exploring the human condition and all that pretentious shit that Gene Roddenberry grafted onto it mm. after he got hailed as being this visionary. 
as opposed to, you know, the original 60s show where he just wanted to tell a fun story. Yeah. But anyway, all right, Star Trek's always been about that. Just let that be all that's Battlefield. It's about race relations. Private Little War is about a balance of power, Vietnam and whatever. So fine, Star Trek's always been about that. We have no issues with that whatsoever. But Star Wars isn't that. Yeah. You know... Star Wars is the the being who you're told to be and then wishing for freedom escapism so you could be whoever you wanted to be. Star Wars is about being whatever the hell you want to be. Yeah. You know, even if it is, you know, an Imperial officer. Oh, that's another thing about The Force Awakens. Adrian Edmondson is in The Force Awakens. Last Jedi. Vivian is, yes, sorry, The Last Jedi. Adrian Edmondson, Vivian from The Young Ones. And he's brilliant in it. He's absolutely. There's not much for him to do. No, other than stand there and pull faces. Well, yeah, but he owns the face pulling. Yeah, you know there are bits where hooks is going on one of his rants, and Ed Edmondson does an utterly, utterly again, brilliant eye roll. Even in this, hooks was great as well because he was. Yeah, I kind of think mm, he undermined him. Well, that was it because he he was this big serious guy mm. in the last uh, Force Awakens, and a lot of the fan base didn't really take him seriously. So Johnson thought. All right, well, let's turn him into a cartoon bad hmm. guy then. At the bit where he blasts away at Luke and Hook says, "Do you think you got him?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's another thing people have complained about the funny. I thought some of this was genuinely funny. Yeah. When Ray says to Luke, "I've seen your days. You're not busy." Funny, hysterically funny, wonderfully deadpan delivered by Daisy Ridley. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yoga stuff. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mister Skywalker. Hmm. Yeah. Have you read them? Turn pages, they were not. <laughs> I love that Luke goes, oh no, so all that time he's been living there on his own. Yeah. You know, where he doesn't want to be found despite leaving a map to where he is. All that time he <laughs> doesn't want to be found. The only thing he's got to do is play with Pogs and catch his own food. He's not read the books. Does that represent the, <laughs> the mystical nature of the Jedi? But the little understanding of the Jedi. Oh, you know, whatever. So if he really wanted to not be found, wouldn't he just gone and lived in Obi-Wan's hut on Tatooine? Seeing as Tatooine was the ass end of the galaxy. Yeah. (laughs) Also, what is it with Jedi Masters and Force Trees? (laughs) Yoda had one, Luke's now got one. Luke's got one. Yeah. Anyway, balance, man. Balance of the four. Can you imagine the next one? So, Ray, I want to teach you about midi-chlorians. (laughs) Ray falls asleep. (laughs) Although I did like that this one acknowledges the prequels. Yeah. Because it seems to me there's been a bit of a sweeping under the carpet of the prequels. Yeah. Which I don't appreciate because I like No, because even if you don't like it, it still happened at yeah, the end of the still, day. Yeah, it's still part of continuity. Unless, until, you know, I demand that they remove the prequels from canon. I demand that. All right, JJ, we'll let you tell another yeah. se- uh, trilogy. <laughs> Lucasfilm should do what I want them to. Damn it! Oh, it is joking, but that was kind of the Force Awakens thing with the extended universe, so it's... <laughs> The JJ's got that in his contract, that he could do whatever he wanted, and that's why it got nixed. Because right. of one man's massive ego, the EU got nixed. Because you know how I discovered this? Same with Star Trek. Right. The the renegotiating the Star Trek license for publishing books this year, so there's no books on the pipeline for 2018. Okay. And the difficulty is dealing with Bad Robot, who has a consequence of the contract for the 2009 Star Trek reboot... JJ's Bad Robot Company has say over any of the material. Ooh, right, okay. And you're like, what the hell has it got to do with JJ Abrams? Yeah. Fuck you, JJ. Get You've made you two shitty Star Trek movies that were nowhere near as good as Star Trek Beyond, which didn't have you involved in it, by the way. Piss off. 
and let us give us give us Star Trek back to the people who can write books who know what Star Trek is. Okay, we pissed off JJ's fans. <laughs> oh, it's going it's going exceptionally well today. Oh, isn't it? it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Anyway, I was halfway through talking. So I've got a uh, First Order TIE Fighter, which I think I've got, haven't I? Yeah. I've got a first one. I've now got two of them, which is awesome, because then I can have a fleet. I was dead <laughs> excited about having the Ghost right. from Star Wars Rebels, which does make an appearance in Star Wars Rogue One. So that's now canonical. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I demand that that appearance <laughs> of the Ghost is taken out of Rogue One. Um, oh, it's funny because got... some of this is true. <laughs> it's, it's funny because some of it's true. Uh, Pose X-Wing, which I've got, haven't I? Uh, I think so, yeah. All right, so I've got Pose X-Wing twice, so maybe you can have that. Okay, cool. Um, I have got... Uh, another TIE Fighter. Another First Order Special Forces TIE Fighter. So that's the red one. Yeah, which is cool. I like that a great deal. I've got... What's this one here? Um, First Order Star Destroyer, which is not quite as cool as the Star awfully small in comparison to the yeah, others. Yeah, it's not, it's not to scale, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Sith Infiltrator. So was who's, was that That's Darth, Darth Maul's ship, yeah. yeah. Darth Maul's ship from the Phantom Menace. But I demand that that is removed from canon. Well, it is. It doesn't say where it's from. Yeah, it, it, does, it, is, just, yeah. it just is. <laughs> slave One, dude! Mm? Slave One, Boba Fett. Do you remember the big No longer the most useless are. character in Star Wars. The big yes, toy Slave One. I do one. remember you had a big Slave One. Do you not get it anymore? No. Who took it? Well, I sure room my brother, oh, and right, it went yeah. into the toy box. Yeah, never came out. Yeah. Kylo Ren's command shuttle. I've got, I've got. Oh, they've all just fallen over. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just put them up for. <laughs> Truly, this is the fall of the empire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put them on the floor so they're out of the way. You're going to take them all out the box and play. Of course, with them. I'm going to take them all out the box and play with them. People leave toys in boxes of Tory. Yep. <laughs> Alright, now you've pissed no, off the toys. Yeah, they are. Because if you have toys and you leave them in the box, you're refusing to take joy I've out. I've never taken me out of the box. You are refusing, because you have done and I broke it. You know. Not that one. Yeah, yeah. Because if you keep toys in boxes, you're refusing to take joy from something that someone else would have taken joy out mm. of. Oh, no, I'm it taking is, that out It is me, your yeah. duty to play with toys. Yes. I've and got, be mature enough I to call them toys. I didn't take my Viper out. Although I've no, got my true. big Viper yeah. that I did take out, so I can play with a Viper. Yeah. Anyway, right, okay, we've got to be balanced. So you've done left wing, you've done right wing, you've done JJ fans, you've done Murray Sue readers, yeah. we've done the the Tory party. You've got to piss off Jeremy Corbyn fans now. Oh. We've got it. We've got to. We've got to be fair and balanced, dude. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I've got. Well, think about God, how this, you can. This podcasting is really tearing me apart. <laughs> uh, Resistance X-wing fighter, which is the blue X-wing. Yeah. Which uh, I think is great. But finally, the piece de resistance. Um, the Millennium Falcon. Mm. The, the What a piece of junk. The rectangular dish. Yeah, well. it's the Force Awakens Millennium Falcon. But JJ's probably got that and he's pissing contracts as well. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. Um, before we go on to your next <laughs> things. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a bit bitter by that? Can you tell that's pissed me off a little bit? Should we do another email? Do you remember when we used to be diplomatic on all sides? Uh, I think we're at the point in society now where that diplomacy's failed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quite frankly. It's how democracy dies yeah. with thunderous Leyland laughter. <laughs> Case in point. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Nathaniel, where do you us in? Crisis of identity in dark, grim crisis, darkly identified as grim. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. That's Isn't that a Douglas Adams book? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> oh, speaking of Douglas Adams books, right. you know, you know he's dead, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's still dead. Yeah. He's not come back to that. That would have been a Christmas miracle. <laughs> but they've, they've been rummaging his archives. Right. So we ended up with another Hitchhiker's book. Yes. Which I've never read, even though it's on the bookshelf over there somewhere. Ian Colfer ended up writing it. Yeah. And then they've been archiving his Doctor Who stuff. So all these Doctor Who serials that never made it to publication like City of Death has now had a novel yeah. Sharda has now had a novel and just been released on Blu-ray I've got that coming as Christmas present is that an animation or something they've animated the bits that they never filmed oh, right. spruced up the film bits that they did film sliced it all together and got all the original cast back to do the voices Okay. so it's Tom Baker and Lala Ward and all the actors who yeah. are still around and the whole thing now exists and despite the fact they've been to this well before mm. Paul McGann did it with right. Lala Ward but they just redid it as an audio player. Mm. And I'm sure they've done an earlier version on VHS, but I never watched it. Anyway, enough of that film. So, and The Pirate Planet, all right. of that has now been noveled. Yeah. Right, novelised. Even though Doug, not a man afraid of reusing the odd idea, it has to be said, recycled lots of um, his Doctor Who stuff for Dirt Gently Solicited Detective Agency. Right. And it's sequeled along that tea time of the soul. Well, now, in the ultimate exhumation... <laughs> right. Way back in the late 1970s, like 78, 79, he and Tom Baker came up with this idea of a Doctor Who movie. Okay. Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. <laughs> cricket, K-R-I-K-K-I-T. That would have been a boring film. Doctor Who watches Cricket. Oh my, can you imagine anything more dull than watching Cricket for two and a half hours? But anyway, this is now a novel. Right. It was in Watersault and I picked it up and went, they didn't actually do a script for this, did they? Right. So basically, have they cobbled together some scribbled notes and gone, oh, we'll make this into a novel and put Douglas Adams' name on it. Right. And I'm, like, baffled by this. So I would have to read it just to is see Is it going to get to the point where, well, he was buried with this scrap of paper inside <laughs> of his jacket? This is why Terry Pratchett had a bulldozer drive over his computer's hard drive. <laughs> yep. In Neil Gaiman's job upon right. the death of Terry Pratchett was to take his hard disk... Put it on the floor and have a bulldozer drive over it so they couldn't exhume right. all these little bit of scratches on the back of fag packets that would one day be turned into so a novel. Terry Pratchett was the Harrison Ford of the, the novelist world. <laughs> Harrison Ford in his contract, you will not CG me. I've seen what you've done to Doggy. Don't do that to me. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to know that in all the years we've done this show, yeah. we will start an email by reading out the title. <laughs> And then not read the email for five minutes. Oh, Doctor Who, Doctor Who's Christmas special. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which was, what did you think of it? Uh, I didn't, I wasn't into it. Neither was your mum. I wasn't, because I heard a lot of people have said it was great. And it wasn't great. I'm bored of Stephen Moffat wanking over the other <laughs> doctors. Look how smart I am by tying them all together. Go away. <laughs> um, oh, so you've pissed off Stephen Moffat, fans. I wasn't. Into, I, I genuinely wasn't into it until uh, the end. Clara returning, oh. uh, I physically took me aback. Like I was, oh, it, it, yeah. You mean you weren't expecting to do exactly no. the same thing you did with Amy Pond? All right, butter off. <laughs> no, it, it was a genuine surprise, especially since she's my favourite companion. Yeah, I wonder why. It's well, the dimples, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the last bit was was nice. It was good. It was emotional. Uh, Jodie Whittaker's in it now. But for me, it only picked up in the last 
10 minutes. Mm. I liked it. I liked it all the way through it. I can understand people's criticisms about the mischaracterization of the William Hartnell Doctor, mm. which uh, a lot of people have read as in he's played up the sexist attitudes of the 60s. For to, comedic value. Yeah, for yeah. comedic value to tie into the whole idea that she's now he's now going to be a woman. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. I think Capaldi was brilliant. He always is, especially since he grew into his mm. his mixture of one and four. Yeah, essentially that's what you think he is now, yeah. isn't it? He's he's Doctor Number One and Doctor Number Four. Yeah. Um, and I think he was. I think he has been grossly underserved. So do I, especially in his three years on the show. It wasn't the last season, the one before that, mm. the season of two parts. Yeah, the last season with Clara, which was very underrated, but I thought it had some. St- Stellar episodes. I'm it? I'm borderline thinking that's probably his best season. Yeah, I think there there are some which weren't as good, like yeah. um, Zysis, the two part Zygon Isis. Episode. Actually, I like the Zygon one. Yeah, right, okay. but uh, yeah, I take your point. I liked the slow but riveting uh, the killing joke two part with mm. Davros. Yeah. Uh, and again, the last three episodes for me were emotionally harrowing. Mm. Having lost a, uh, a companion who was close to him, the standout episode where it's all Capaldi just yep. fighting and being in denial to the conclusion of it where he completely uh, goes out of his way to save her from time. Mm. And she's the one who says, no, you've got to accept this, mm. which were for me my three favourite episodes in a while. I did like a line about how did you forgot me? I found that kind of offensive. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was good, not great. I didn't think it was his best Christmas special. I'm still kind of torn between whether it's the River Song one or the Superhero one. One was more right. emotional. One was just balls at entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're the two <clears throat> spectrums of Doctor Who Christmas specials. I don't think this one was a Christmas special. This was the end of the last season. Just set in snow. Yeah, just, just some snow in it. Yeah. But yeah, Capaldi was as good as Capaldi has been throughout his run. I don't think he's been serviced very well by the script in a lot of places. Which even he said, hasn't mm. he? I think his second season was probably his best. Yeah. Um, I do think the last season felt like a bit of an obligation on Moffat's part. There right. was an idea that it wouldn't be on the earth for two years because Chris Chibnall was busy with Broadchurch. So Moffat said, all right, I'll do another year. Okay. And it felt a little bit obligation-y. Right. But this this last one, he went, if not on a high, he didn't go out on a low. Yeah, okay. And I think, again, he was brilliant. And I, I, I'm just eagerly awaiting Jodie Whittaker. I'm down with Jodie Whittaker. Mm. Completely. I think she's a brilliant actress. I think she's going to bring something new and different to it. I think it needs to do something new and different. Yeah, well, I was saying to uh, Adam that apart from the people who take it to extremes because it's a woman, Mm. for me, and it's not saying, oh, it can only be a woman if the story deserves it, but for me, for years, it's been, the Doctor's a man, so he regenerates into men, because surely that's kind of how Time Lords have to do it. Mm. If they're born men, then they regenerate into men. Fair play, that's established. But then you've got the mistress coming out of the master. So fair play, counter that. They can be any gender. A couple of seasons before when we saw the Time Lords again, one of them was killed and came back as a woman. Right. So I said, yep, fair play. It's not as though they're doing anything that hasn't been established. So it'll be interesting to see. Mm. So I'll I'll play either side. It's just going to be. Well, I I think I would like them to establish that it only really happens on rare occasions. They don't Mm. just change gender willy nilly. There has to be some kind of underlying psychological reason for it. Which, that by and large, if you're a man, you remain a man. And if you're a woman, you remain a woman. Which did happen in the Christmas special. Yes. Like you said, but you also the up. last season. Right. The last season has been playing 
with that idea since Missy. Yeah. Since the master became a woman, that's yeah. been playing on him. And then he's been fighting this regeneration throughout the last season. See, I've not seen the last season at all. Right. Something... So it's not just this episode. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's been fighting the idea of complete and total change, which has been manifested by him becoming a woman. Because that is a complete and total change. Yeah. Right. Okay. And also the ending, somebody criticised her first line. Oh, brilliant. Right. She's got a Yorkshire accent, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. Lots of planets have a north. Deal with it. <laughs> and, established uh, law. Established law. <laughs> um, and people took that. She's trying to tell us she's brilliant. No, she's seen in a, a reflection that she's now a woman and thought that was brilliant. Talk well, about misunderstanding. Yeah, because no one had a problem with like not wanting to be ginger or having yeah. new teeth. And then, I mean, she could have been ginger because she was ginger in Broadchurch. Right. Okay. She's gone blonde for this, which is fine. I think it suits her better, to be honest. Um, and then everyone's complaining she presses the wrong button and crashes the TARDIS. No, the TARDIS kicks her out. Yeah. That's how I read it. Right. I read it as the TARDIS going, who the hell are you? Yeah. Because we've established in an earlier episode, established law, that the, that TARDIS, the TARDIS is, is a, a woman. woman. Yeah. And has a relationship with the Doctor that is very akin to husband and wife, slightly bickery, but they love each other. Because yeah. there was an episode where she became sentient. The Neil Gaiman episode, yeah, wasn't it? with yeah. Saran Jones in it. Hmm. As the Doctor. as Sorry, as the TARDIS. Yeah. And I think that ending was the TARDIS kicking her out. Right. The TARDIS represents fandom. Okay. And right. it's rejected this regeneration. And the first episode is going to be about the TARDIS and us accepting that this is now the Doctor. Which something tells me, for the most part, only the TARDIS will. I'll accept her. I think she's... I think she, I, when, I've said this before. I think we've said it on a recording. When they were bandying about the names of who was going to be the Doctor, Rich Johnson was banging on about his favourite again. Oh, well, which it, was... You've just, you, you've just clearly stated that this story is bullshit, so there's no need to go on. Was it Rory Kinnear that he was he was thinking, and somebody from BT Adverts or something, and then Chris Marshall's name was thrown in. Tom Hiddleston's was, wasn't it? Tom Hiddleston is not going to stop doing big paying Hollywood yeah, movies to it, do a BBC TV show. It might be interesting to see him, but he's not going to go no. down. No, he's not. Yeah. You know, maybe in 20 years when his career's not what it once was. Um, but what was I saying? They were abandoned about the names. Oh, yeah, they were abandoned about these names. Chris Marshall. And every single one of them was like Last Jedi. They were safe. They were a predictable choice. Yeah. And, you know, none of them were bad. Erdl or Hanlon. And I was like, really? But he's now doing diagnosis murder or whatever we call it. <laughs> where he's in, he's in Barbados investigating crimes. Okay. Death in Paradise or whatever it's called. And, you know, all of them were, hmm, all right. Hmm, okay. And then they said Jodie Whittaker. Right. And I was like... Complete left field. Okay. Because mm. I love Jodie with She's brilliant in Attack the Block. Right. She's brilliant in Broadchurch. Mm. She was great in that thing where the show was she stole a doctor's identity, ran away to Scotland and took a job as a doctor, right. even though she's only a nurse. Okay. The script was shit, but she was brilliant in it. Yeah. And I think that's been the consistency. She does a lot of radio stuff as and, well. Yeah, and she does a lot of radio. Mm. And I think she's great. And I think... Chibnall is seeing a comedic side to her that she's not got to play. One of the trends on television at the minute is women in cardigans looking pensively across beautiful scenery, right. moaning about what's going wrong with their life. Any uh, number of TV dramas okay, on the BBC right. at the minute follow that path. Yeah, someone needs to turn ITV off. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so here you've got Jodie Whittaker being, being given a part where she doesn't have to do that. 
She's done that in Broadchurch. She did it brilliantly. Yeah. But does she have to spend the next five years of her career doing that? Or do you want to be fucking Doctor Who? Right. Okay. <laughs> it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. And I think she'll be absolutely fantastic. The problem you've got then is how do you combat all these yay voices when she regenerates next time and becomes a man again? Well, it's one of those always backlash when... Yeah. Ever any doctor regenerates, it's just this one is more so because it's a woman, mm. and you do have those people. We may seem like it sometimes, but we're genuinely not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do like to poke the burr every now and again. Yeah, though. yeah, but, but we like to poke everybody. The the backlash towards this one has been even more so. Yeah, because some of it's it has been woman, downright yeah. ugly. And yeah, that's the problem with fan base as well. Is it's it takes something like this just to show how ugly a fan base is. Mm. What was that line in Supernatural? They certainly spend a lot of time hating something they pretend to be fans of, mm. which I thought was quite funny. Anyway, so I'm very much looking forward to her. But should we get back to Nathaniel's email? <laughs> Welcome back. Now I kind of want to shake my fist at you for taking so long. Even if it's only a few times a year, seeing a new episode pop on my podcast feed makes me smile. And I immediately bumped you to the top of the list to get to it as quickly as possible. Well, we're sorry it's been four months. Yes. And it may be some considerable amount of time um, before we get to another one, might mm. it? So, in regards to the question of whether or not identity crisis is okay to tell a story about how violence committed against a woman affects the men around her, I have some thoughts to add. In a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with doing that. The choice of which characters of any gender to focus on in terms of perspective does not cause a story to gain or lose inherent value. The issue here is when you step back and take it in the context. Because, of course, this story isn't told in a vacuum. Instead, it's being told at a time when the perspective of how the rape or death of a female character affects men is actually the prevalent one that dominates this kind of storytelling by a serious margin. It's not so much that it's wrong to do this in and of itself, but you don't even start to count how many times rape, abuse or murder of a woman was used as a motivator for or means of exploring the impact on men. But how many times we get to see how affected women respond to this or even how women who knew her are affected, which is a very good point. Mm. But that's not the story it told, is it? No. So the question there becomes, if it's not inherently wrong, that's the story that it told. You only have, we're only looking at the story it told, not the one it didn't tell. Yeah. Which makes sense, <clears throat> doesn't it? This is part of why Jessica Jones on Netflix felt so revolutionary. People tend to pick apart each individual instance of these things when really it's the weight of how often it happens and how rarely the female perspective is presented that is the problem, which is something I talked about in relation to the Wonder Woman film over on the Council of Geeks YouTube channel, Awkward Plug Insertion. So it's not each instance, it's the pattern. And to my mind, identity crisis is inarguably part of that pattern. And it's not helped that the villain turns out to be a psychotic woman scorned trope in addition to all this. I think Michael accidentally stumbled onto the very problem when he called this... The, <laughs> as I frequently do. As I frequently do, As I called this the easy criticism to make. I think the fact that it is so easy to make and yet those criticisms don't seem to be taken as a reason to change something speaks volumes. I'm going to make an admittedly very crass and possibly oversimplistic analogy here, but it's like when you have a co-worker who routinely used terms like toots, babe and hot stuff when addressing female co-workers and when somebody complains about it they're told, yes, we all know about that problem, but is there really anything else wrong with him? 
All of that being said, Michael is correct that if this story is going to be told, then it does in fact need to be an inciting incident this harsh. Otherwise, it doesn't justify the actions of the characters or the direction of the story. So for me, it kind of becomes, I wish you weren't telling this story, but if you must, then this is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Up until the killer reveal anyway. Seriously, what the hell? Great listening as always, and happy Christmas, since I'm assuming you won't have an episode response. <laughs> And I love that Nathaniel Wayne was absolutely correct, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nathaniel, you made me laugh. That was most amusing. Um, should we do a couple more gifts? Well, we've only got a couple more each. Seeing we? as we're rapidly approaching the two-hour mark on this one. Yeah. Uh, all right, my next gift, which I'm already halfway through. Right. Uh, the Punisher Omnibus Marvel Knights Edition by Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon, and various other creators um this publishes uh punisher welcome back frank one through 12 punisher kills the marvel universe marvel knights double shot number one which is the brilliant one all told from inside somebody's mouth yeah that's a great issue the quizada one isn't it yeah quizada the artwork and punisher one through seven and 13 through 37 so originally i erroneously thought all of garth ennis's post max pre max work sorry but it's not this does not include punisher war journal Right. Where's a six-issue oh. mini-series. Mini Born? Uh, well, that's Max. Oh, right. So that doesn't count. But Punisher War Journal was a six-issue mini-series by Garth and Steve Dillon that followed up what happened to Manusha. That's hmm. not in this. Right. So I do wonder where that's going to see print because a Punisher Max Volume 1 for Garth Ennis has already been announced. Hmm. So I would imagine this will ultimately end up being a three-volume because... Punisher Max also includes his Punisher Max run, which is, what, 40, 50 issues? Yeah. And then there's Bourne, like you say, and mm. two one-shots, Tiger and Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright, and, and the, the Barracuda. End. And Barracuda miniseries, yeah. Mm. Absolutely correct. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to fit into those omnibuses, so it does look like Punisher War Journal is going to remain uncollected. Uh, especially and, since it's not Max, it is. Especially since it's not Max. Marvel Knights. It's, it's kind of like, it should have been in this volume. Yeah. Really. Um, I, I mean, I've passed Welcome Back Frank, which is hysterical. Loses something for the, not having people be able to swear. So mm. it's kind of an A-team level Punisher story. Yeah. I'm going to get that scumball! <laughs> <laughs> like, scumball, really? But oh, it's still marvellous fun. Yeah. And uh, very much appreciated that your mum bought me the Punisher omnibus. What did you get, Michael? Uh, from my girlfriend. And I was there when she bought it, because I saw... It's how much? Yeah, get it quick. <laughs> is the recent reprint of the Absolute Authority. Yep. Uh, here as number one, because I'm assuming they'll carry on with it. Hmm. But Haven't they already announced an Absolute for Matt Miller stuff? Probably. But this is all the Warren Ellis, uh, Brian Hitch stuff, including the planetary crossover mm -hmm. and the short story they did for the recent Image 25th anniversary mm. release. Flicking through this made me want to read The Authority again. Yeah, it's it was weird because I've not picked it up in ages but saw that they'd done an absolute... Well, you don't was... have this, do you? No. I've got this, so you've read mine. So they'd reprinted all the good stuff together so I didn't have to like slog through the first Miller stuff that's at the end of your mm -hmm. second trade. So it's all collected Yeah, but it's got together. Frank Quitley art. So I thought you'd ugly, like that. Ugly Quitley art. Oh, right. I thought you you bowed at the feet of Frank quickly. Yeah, but he's he used to be very very ugly. Right. Great page layouts. Mm -mm. Ugly artist. Right. Until around. Is that when everyone looked like a prude? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, we collect everything together, and I'm not read it in ages, so it was good flicking through it because it's a format that 
deserves a large reprinting. Mm. Brian Hitches was the first, the first yeah. cinematic comic artist. Because uh, they even have page layouts and covers for the widescreen series they were going to do. Yeah, but they never did. Which was all told in landscape, wasn't it? Mm. But yeah. Uh, this got Hitch the the ultimate gig, and yeah. Mark Miller spent his entire career standing on the shoulders of other artists, writers. Yeah. Sorry. The only problem with this absolute, I mean, apart from you can see the dust jacket, mm. the slipcase is a bit wonky, which probably explains how cheap it was. But I don't care because it was that cheap. Well, there's nothing wrong with the actual boot, though, is there? Yeah. The only problem with this, though, is it now means I don't really have as much reason to pick up the Image 25th Anniversary book. No. Because it's got the main selling point in it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, screw him. <laughs> uh, let's cover another email. This one's from Michael Darge, who I believe is a first-time emailer. Ah, so we need the, si- the siren. There we go. Uh, Andrew and Michael, I very much enjoyed listening to your Identity Crisis summer special. I grew up reading the classic Satellite League JLA stories and just had to comment. The story in which Zaytana mind-wiped the villains with magically switched bodies with members of the JLA took place in issues 166 through 168 of Justice League America Volume 1. The villains were members of the Secret Society of Super villains. I think this is what Chris mentioned earlier on, isn't it? That this was a a genuine story. At the end of the story, Zatanna used her powers to affect their memories, removing their knowledge of the hero's secret identities. I thought it was rather cool that Brad Meltzer took that story point and expanded on it for Identity Crisis. He showed that DC heroes are not all paragons of virtue, and that they can perform questionable acts when pushed to extremes. And boy, an extreme reaction was needed to deal with a character as sadistic as Dr. Light. His brutality towards Sue was shocking. Given the chance, he would certainly attack her or any hero's love one again. So down the slippery slope they went, mind-wiping villains to protect themselves and their loved ones until forced to do it one of the, until forced to do it on one of their own. Super friends indeed. I too was disappointed with the ending and reveal of the true murderer Jean Loring. Her goal to rekindle her husband's interest in her by creating an external threat to the lives of the hero's loved ones just didn't make sense. As Michael mentioned on the show, Jean just simply could have called. Your fan from Michigan, Michael Dargay. Thank you very much for emailing, Michael. As I say, I think you're a first-time emailer. Because obviously, we don't <laughs> and get... if you're not, we apologise. Yeah, well, yeah, but we don't get many new emails anymore because we're not a going concern anymore, which is a shame. But obviously, life <laughs> gone gets... are the days of the top ten. <laughs> yeah, gone are the days of the yeah <laughs> when we were we were number one download every week consistently. Yeah, that's gone now. Uh, but it don't matter. We we get together when we can get together and do what we do. Hello, cats. <laughs> the cats in front of the microphone, so you may hear something. Uh, my final gift for this particular Christmas. Until my copy of Doctor Who Shard arrives from my <laughs> sister. What are you laughing at? Nothing. Just oh, were you laughing we, at the cat? No, that we were talking about it earlier. Oh, right. Yeah, it's not arrived yet. Yeah. That's right. Is another omnibus, Marvel omnibus, Star Wars, the Marvel UK collection. Which some of this is in Star Wars Volume 3, I'm aware. But uh, this collects all of the strips that were done for Star Wars Weekly. Along with covers and posters and profile articles, everything that saw print in Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi Weekly, and Star Wars Monthly as it became at various points. It has loads of stuff in, um, like how to make your Star Wars X-Fighter. Mm. So from the free gift, lots of adverts. Bloody hell, I've got that spider manual. Yeah. Reprints the night Gwen Stacy there. Um, lots of really good stuff. You know what's really good about it? Yeah. The original printing of Star Wars issue 46, the last page was heavily rewritten for the American version because they didn't agree with the message of the story. Wow, is it? Um, pacifism works. 
which they didn't, they, which they didn't <laughs> feel worked in the Star Wars story. So the American edition was re, the last page was rescripted. The British version, for whatever reason, got the original printing. Right. And in this omnibus, they printed that last page for you. Okay. To be able to see how it originally works. Plus, other places were the the. They do new splash pages hmm. to accommodate the fact that we would cut it into half. You used to have them stickers. I did used to have those stickers. Nan's mirror. On the mirror in my bedroom, yeah. So, um, some stuff from the Ewok annual, which no one gives a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't. The Adventures of Cyril, the editor droid, which was, you know, funny. Star Wars, not really. Star Wars IQ test. This essentially is just a nostalgia blast. It's just a hardback magazine, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hardback nostalgia blast for people like me who grew up reading Star Wars Weekly and you've got all the covers um, that were drawn specifically for Star Wars Weekly that never saw print on the US editions. Just absolutely brilliant stuff. Some of the picture quality has obviously been scanned from people, but, you know, it's just a blast to have all of this stuff under two covers. I mean, look at that. The cover to Star Wars 161 is absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Uh, John Ridgway, I think, did that. And, you know, there's other places like that where um, Paul Neary's done covers and then they went into photo covers, which is a bit boring. And there's some original art at the end of it and Ewoks, which, again, <laughs> no one gives us a rat's ass about. My Little Ewok. My Little Ewok. Can't wait for that to make a return. <laughs> the Ewok cartoon coming soon on DVD. Anyway, what's your last one? My final one. From you, from me, is the big, uh, the recent reprint of the 30th, 35th mm. anniversary Akira box set. <laughs> open up. I do expect it to make that noise when you open it. To go. <laughs> Alright, well, every time I open it, I'll have to make it. <laughs> so, first, you got the little badge. Yep. Uh, the one with the pill on, so that's iron on. Are you going to take the blue pill or the red pill? I am. Did the Matrix rip a lot off Akira? Akira, no, um, The Matrix was The Invisibles. Hmm. Don't walk into the microphone, cat. But, uh, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure whether I'm actually going to iron it onto my jacket or keep it as a collectible. I'd keep it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Decision made. But it includes uh, one through six, so all of Akira, in nice new hardbacks that are the original Japanese mm-hmm. uh, printing, as well as the long sold-out uh, out-of-print Akira Club art book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main selling point of these is that it's the first time that Akira has been collected in its original Japanese format. But not in Japanese language. Yeah. Otherwise you won't be able to read it. The first time it's ever been printed in English in the original Japanese format without colour. So it's all black and white, mm-hmm. unlike our Marvel Epic one, yep. which is in colour. Uh, and it's in hardback as well. First time. So you'd sent us you either wanted this or Preacher Volume Two. And surprisingly this this was just as much as Preacher. This was a hundred and five quid, which basically meant you got nothing else off me and your mum. Yeah. Well maybe I set you buzz so right here. It's cheaper than the retail price of Absolute Preacher. Yeah. But and also it contains more. Um I mean when you sent me the link it was only seventy five. Yeah. So I should have bought it straight away. It's, I thought I did. I mean it's a risky gamble because I've only ever read volume one. Mm. But I'm sure. Yeah, but it wasn't your expensive gamble. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it because I've never actually sat through and read it all, and I've never seen the movie in years because mm. I wanted to read it first. It was on Sci-Fi not long ago. Yeah, so it's I'm looking forward to reading through it, mm. just because I mean the, it is a, it is a very handsome. The packaging box, itself, yeah, yeah, and even the dust jackets are really nice. And produced. now, I mean, to be fair, you are now looking at being full retail price on Amazon, which is 175 quid. Um, 
doubled that in and places. Double that in places, yeah. I've seen it on online retailers it's for nearly 300 quid. Definitely going to be a collector's item. Mm, soon. It is now ready. So, yes, so well done. So, that was our Christmas swag this year. So, we bored you rigid. And in between, hope we've entertained you. <laughs> and not offended too much. If we've offended you, we do genuinely apologise. We don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes you just have enough, don't you? <laughs> no more Mr. Nice Guy. I've said before, if you get offended by this show, you're listening to the wrong one. Yeah, and also, you know, at the end of the day, we're just two blokes waffling on about funny books. We haven't even talked about comic books. <laughs> have we? What comics are you reading? Uh, DC Metal. That it? Uh... Well, Alien Dead Orbit just finished. Oh, is it? After... So is the, is the trade out now so I can buy it? No. Oh. After waiting two months for one issue to come out. Mm. Yeah, so that's just finished and it's good. Uh, and DC Metal, which is great. It's mm. great fun. It's really even the, the one shots about the other Batman. They mm. were all great. Uh, that's it for me. What about Doomsday Clock? Oh, yeah, that's just that. Yeah, yeah, Doomsday Clock. Uh, so I've just... I've just reread uh, Rebirth. Yep. I've just re I've read the button for the first time, and we disagreed slightly about the button, didn't we? I thoroughly enjoyed it. As I, did I. I just thought that <coughs> very re- slight. I read it in trade. Yeah. Mm. So it's not the next big chapter in the Doomsday. No, it's not. It's, it's kind of it's kind of a footnote. Maybe a paragraph. It's a crossover <laughs> between two ongoing titles that you should read instead of reading these four issues. Mm. Um. But Doomsday Clock issue one, not a fan of Watchmen until I reread it again. And I was like, yeah, this is good, but it's not great. It's it's really really good. I think that uh, Alan Moore should put that on the cover of Watchmen. It's good, but it's not great. Michael yeah. Allen, host of A Kids Comics. It's not because did you see Noel Gallagher's advert for his new album? Yeah, he, he put, put, put five star on. reviews on, and then he put the one star review yeah. from the Irish Times on. Fair play to Noel for that. I was arguing to a mate who said it's 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 like the greatest piece of literature, and I said by saying that the Watchmen is the greatest piece of literature, you're ignoring literature. Hmm. It's a good comic, nothing more, nothing less. It's perfectly written and it's perfectly executed, hmm. but it's that's it. Right. Uh, but Doomsday Clock, really, really good. It it defeats everything that Watchmen stood for. As it starts, um, it's it's been released that Ozymandias murdered everyone to stop World War Three from happening. Right. So as the book starts, starts the um, uh, the communists, the USSR, are releasing nuclear missiles onto um, America. Hmm. So the premise of it. Is the new, uh, new Rorschach hired by Ozymandias now has to find God, Doctor Manhattan, and where he went to, in the time it takes for the missiles to land in America. Right. It then ends with Superman waking up from a nightmare, saying, "I've never had a nightmare before." And that's it. Yeah. Because issue two is not out as we regard. This. It's out today. Ah, right. Okay. So it's good. But it's a slow burner, hmm. and if you don't like decompressed stories, wait for the trade. But it's it's not dense, but it's not a flimsy Jeff Johns read. Right. Um, I, I think Tom King's Batman's crushing it. That's one I keep meaning to pick up in trades. Love, yeah. Loving it. Loving every minute of it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Weird and Samney on Captain America. Yeah, they took yeah, over, didn't they? Doing an excellent job. I've only read one issue so far. It's great. The new Marvel 2 in 1, number 1. Hmm. Equally brilliant. Kill or Be Killed still continues to impress. Really enjoying that. 
Um, I'm dropping Superman because James Robinson's apparently coming on to it. Oh, no, but, but Bendis is coming on to it now, isn't he? Uh, according to uh, Bleeding cool. Rich Johnson's yeah, sources, so, as yeah. he believes. As he, he believes that that may be true. He probably is right on that. Yeah, and... It, I'm tempted just because Ivan Rice is drawing. Bendis and Ivan Rice will make a half-good Superman story. <laughs> the half being the arts. But at le- yeah, at least it won't be the shit fest that was the John Tremita story. Yes, that's true. That is the perfect example of when big creators go bad. Yeah, the nadir of the new 52. Yeah. So, and there was a lot of opportunity for a nadir though. Um, Amazing Spider-Man continues to be met, but Scarlet Spider by Peter David is very good. Right. Um, so that's great. Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man is quite good as well. Mm. And I'm still reading various Star Wars titles and I'm hoping that they pick up soon. Yeah, I... I don't pick up as many comics because if anything that living on my own has taught me is that cereal and comic books are expensive. Yes. <laughs> Particularly cereal. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I don't, I don't really buy as many editions as I used to. I'll, I'll just wait till Comixology. I have 69p sales, mm. which is what I tend to do the most thing. Yeah, I've become a digital... Which is, we've swapped. I yeah. used to be big on digital, yeah. but I got, I got them all for free, so that might be why. That may be why, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, any road up. That was it for our annual New Year Hoot Nanny extravaganza. <laughs> little bit of hoot, just a pinch of nanny. As I was once It's said. not quite a shindig. It's not quite a shindig. A little bit more than a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a blast. That was fun, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you never get another one of these again, then you've had 200 and whatever episodes we've done. Of sheer unadulterated fanboy fun from two people that just love comics. And if we can do it again, we will. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. It's not never ending anymore because, you know, life ends, doesn't it? And, so and on podcast. that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> we hope you all have a spectacular 2018. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back whenever we get the opportunity to be back. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. The opinions of Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew. Uh, Music used in the show is for review purposes only and we believe that comes under fair use. If you want to drop a few tips in our tip jar, feel free to use the Two True Freaks Amazon link, which costs you nothing, but gives us a little something to help produce content like this. Michael and Andrew are both on Twitter and on Facebook and correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com.